Greg. Daniel. It's November, but that doesn't mean you can't get spooky. I beg to disagree. Disagree. You beg to disagree. I okay, so you to want to disagree. Okay. Yes, you got it. Now that now that I know who stands on what side, <laughs> I will now proceed to tell you why you're wrong. Because Ghost Town Podcast, the hit true crime, strange history, paranormal, and alternative culture podcast, is proud to announce their chilling three-part series, The Notorious Chateau Marmont. Oh, that's I'm very interested in this. And let me tell you, I was at uh, Suck in Traffic maybe a week ago in front of the Chateau Marmont, and I was sitting there, I was like, you know, I don't know anything about this place. I just know it has less of a strict dress code than the Magic Castle, but in my head, they occupy they, the same space. They feel like the t- the two towers. The, what Saruman's in one of them and Sauron's in the other. Yeah, you're right. And if you listen to the notorious <laughs> Chateau Marmont by Ghost Town Podcast, you'll find out who's in which tower. <laughs> They cover the hotel's dark history, including interviews with experts that know it best, and it all culminates with a seance at the hotel, conjuring some of Hollywood's most iconic and infamous residents. You can find Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts or go to ghosttownpod.com. So this is a three-part series. Part one, The Castle on the Hill. Part two, Marmontophilia. And part three, Hollywood Ghosts. I think I just held up five fingers. Yeah, you held up five fingers. (laughs) I was counting on my toes. (laughs) These are all out now. They came out leading up to Halloween and they are all now out. So listen to the Notorious Chateau Marmont brought to you by Ghost Town Podcast and where you get your podcast. And now it's time for the spookiest episode of LA Meekly. The November episode. Oh no. Oh Ooh, that was a scary night we just had, wasn't it? I mean, it's still actually Halloween night, right? It's, yeah, it's midnight on November 1st. It's midnight on November 1st. I mean, I'm I'm of the school. People are like, um, I think you mean tomorrow because it's 1 a.m. The sun hasn't come up and that's yeah. that's how it's tomorrow. I'm st- dead by dawn. I'm still I'm still locked in battle with the forces of Satan <laughs> on Halloween night. I mean, tell that to my bloody sword. I call it sting. <laughs> It's another Lord. That's the second Lord of the Ring thing that we've got going. And it can do it all night. That's a sting joke. And this sting can be inside of an orc for up to eight hours. (laughs) (sighs) Hi. 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 Welcome Welcome. to the November episode. I mean, if you're listening to this at midnight, it's still really scary. But if it's like 8 a.m., the rooster's crowing. Yeah. All the ghosts are going back into the haunted house where they right. belong. Yeah. Zombies are going back to the cemetery. What's the uh, monster from Fantasia, the demon? Um, oh, Balrog. Ba- <laughs> <laughs> I kept wanting to say Bal- <laughs> the Balrog. Gandalf has just defeated the sorcerer that Mickey was <laughs> training under. And that... <laughs> what is that guy's name? I don't know, but... Uh, it's he, something he's like the Balrog. way too hot. Oh. To be at Disney. Too hot to Too be at hot. Disney. Greg, have you seen Bambi's mom? <laughs> Hachi machi. Have you seen the characters in Robin Hood? Oh my <laughs> God. Foxy. Oh my God. How, what's he doing? God, no, he he pressed his, his little cute little nose against my ankle. Yeah. And for a second, I'm like, wait, where is he? <laughs> As he was doing that, hoping that he was underneath me before. Well, the Jersey Devil has a cute little nose, too. <laughs> the little monster we're speaking of, of course, is Phantom the Cat. We're recording. Back. Greg is done with his COVID. That was his night of terror uh, of Halloween. It we're, was like well, four days of terror. We're back in uh, the LA Meekly recording studio, one of many. Yeah, and which one of many? And which one of us has COVID now? <laughs> 
Is it the cat? <laughs> Find out next month. This is uh, to welcome you in. This is oh, yeah. LA Meekly, the LA History Podcast, where we talk about LA history. I'm Daniel Zafrin. I'm Greg Gonzalez. And that's a cat. There's a cat around here touching my ankle. He- <laughs> that's my imitation of my cat. It shouldn't be. <laughs> what What does a cat sound like to you? <laughs> that's my impression of a cat so to get you out of the spooky season before we start with anything let's welcome in our newest patron oh yes please that we have i I love when we get one every single month so everybody if we could just get one new patron every single month i'd i'd be a little disappointed I'll have to stay at my job, sure. But, you know, I like writing postcards to people. I say that now that I haven't written any postcards and it's way too late in the month. But you know what? Ask me again in 12 hours Yeah, in 12 after f- I'm done slaying this, uh, this, this hot look? Disney demon. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? It's Can something, we look it up? Yeah, look up his name because right. that's what's happening as you listen to it. He's going back into the mountain and curling back up. The forces of good, a.k.a. Jesus, have just come and vanquished. Jesus. Vanquished. Sexy uh, demon whose name is not a Balrog, not Baphomet. It's something with a B. Chernabog. Yep. Chernabog. Chernabog. It just came up as you said, Chernabog. I, like I said, it's something with a B. <laughs> Chernabalrog. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very cultured. <laughs> you shall not go past me. <laughs> so we are back to welcoming in our patron. Yes, please. Who is Molly X. Molly X. Like a superhero from the 80s. <laughs> like a punk musician from the 80s. <laughs> Two different forms of drugs. Molly X. Uh, from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, oh, Molly. Yeah. It is, she is too. Is this just, is this some sort of FBI sting? We're going to we, if you say Molly X on a podcast, you get rid. Oh, no. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Chernabog here. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not pass. <laughs> you shall not pass through the gates of prison, <laughs> leaving. But he's just here to strip. <laughs> Uh, so pretty, hot. Yeah. Did I hear church bells in here? Um, <laughs> that makes Disney demons <laughs> real, Randy. Thank you, Molly. And I can't wait to send you a postcard. Unless that's a form of I know, trying I've... to get drugs off of somebody snail mail wise. And then the cops. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know the code. You send a postcard and you get a, a package of pure Colombian in the mail. <laughs> we know the, the bit. mailed any postcards lately. <laughs> uh, no, officer. And all this decoded handwriting. <laughs> What's that about? No, it's just Daniel. He doesn't know how to write. He doesn't know how to send. Yeah. Yeah, it's letters. Daniel who doesn't know how to write. I know how to write, okay? I know how to write, I just can't. <laughs> I know what it's supposed to look like. My head won't do it. So you too, if you want to help us uh, not work anywhere else, you could support us on Patreon as well. If you go to patreon.com slash Meekly, you can get one of these uh, beautifully handwritten by me, not so much by Greg. Yep. It will get you flagged by the FBI, CIA. Mm-hmm. Why not? The KGB also. Sure, yeah. Am I six? Am I six? Um, Mission Impossible, uh, Ghost Protocol. You're gonna get, <laughs> if you sign up for this, you will get Ghost Protocol, <laughs> the spookiest protocol of all. <laughs> no, it's if you're listening to this at midnight, yes, it is a Ghost Protocol. But if it's if you're listening to this at 8 a.m. after the forces of Jesus have come back, yeah. it's a Ghost Prodigal. <laughs> so you can sign up Patreon.com/slameekly every month. We'll send you a handwritten postcard from a different place in LA for five dollars a month, or you could do less. Yeah, we like money. Oh, uh, I mean your support. We like bags of your support, non-sequential support, unmarked. 
And don't put that thing in there that yeah, blows don't put up. The blue stuff. Yeah, in don't it. put the blue stuff. Make it a better color, like <laughs> green, which is the color Ooh, of money. Mermaid purple. Before we also get any further, I I do want to mention if you want to hear me yeah. talk even more than you're about to hear me talk without Greg here to stop me. Yeah, you shall not pass. No filters. <laughs> yeah, Greg is something of the Gandalf of this podcast. <laughs> I have always rev- been very open that I am the Balrog. I am one of the forces of Sauron. Yeah, I, it's me. No. He's one of the forces of, um, not Murdoch, uh, Melkor. Melkor. I'm one of the just my the, favorite punk scene in Melbourne. The Melbourne punk scene. You're um, you're Melkor. You're Melkor. Yeah, I'm totally Melkor. <laughs> so you can listen to more of me on two different podcasts. One is the Sunday Funday podcast. Which what do you is, talk about? Which is it's an ice cream review podcast. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm talking about Reese's peanut butter cup ice cream. We reviewed that. And then you can listen to me on the Tennis podcast, which is a podcast where either he provides or you provide a top 10 list and the other person has to guess what oh, interesting. it is. And the one I did was the top 10 most streamed Halloween movies. And okay. I had to pair each movie with a candy. Give me the 10th one. I don't remember because okay. I did so badly. I came right out of the gate. I said, well, obviously Dracula's number four. And he laughed at me as if as if I was Gandalf fighting the mighty <laughs> Balrog. Like I was Renfield saying, you shall not pass. <laughs> they laughed at me as if I was every character in Dracula saying there's a vampire in England. <laughs> also, why not? We haven't talked about this. You can listen to our other show, Candy is Dandy, our candy review podcast. If you cannot get enough, Greg and Daniel, yeah. you could get a little bit more. Yeah, just a little bit. If you thought that you were already brought to the brink of madness... Go a little further. Push a little further. This is like a strong breeze. But before we get into the very not scary month of November, let's yeah. talk about the scariest month of October. Or do we want to say something? I, let, let's say something because I forgot to do the part where I said what I did this month. <laughs> uh, we celebrated our 100th episode not long ago. Some would say 19 episodes ago. 20 or Well, it depends how you want to count. Yeah, I don't really know how to count. But we celebrated our, we did our Mary Pickford episode for our 100th, right. and it was very celebratory. Very symbolic. Very symbolic, very celebratory. It was very tastefully done. We never thought we'd hit triple digits. But we, this month, we've hit another landmine. Landmine. Yeah, we've hit another landmine. <laughs> Not mine. a landmark. We've hit a landmine. We've hit a landmine. <laughs> Full speed hit a landmine, landmark. This is our 10th year. November 2013 was our first Ali McLee episode came out. That is unfathomable. Yeah. And we're still begging people to... <laughs> sign up for our patreon <laughs> yeah uh nothing has changed like little like oh it's a different microphone hey, and they use different software there's a cat in the room there's a now. cat in the room we're both fathers to babies we're not in a empty classroom at csun anymore because they won't let they won't us let, we would be but they won't let us anymore because of covid um <laughs> which was also not a thing 10 years ago or was or it was watch it? my documentary <laughs> yeah 10 years ago we shared a mic and talked about los angeles public library yeah that was the first one and yeah. this because yeah because it's easy to remember what month we started because the reason we do the creepy christmas haunted hanukkah <laughs> is because we didn't get to do a haunted october yeah. episode because we started in november yes so this is our 10 year anniversary yeah happy 10 our, our little our third baby I guess this is our first baby. Actually. Yeah, this is the original one. Yeah, it's uh, it's ten years old now, and I um. Well, technically now we're syndicated, aren't we? We're going to be on UPN. Oh, you're going to be on U. Our, yeah, our reruns are going to play on UPN in, yeah. uh, in perpetuity. And I, I don't know about you, but I cut like a Seinfeld deal. I got like five hundred million. What'd you get? Uh, we're not supposed to talk about you know the man doesn't want us right. to compare how much money we got so they can keep us down. But how many millions did you get? <laughs> I got how um, many half a billions did you get? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the decimal. So there's a number and then a and then a little dot and then there's two zeros and I'm like 
that's I'm doing pretty good. Oh uh, no, yeah, you, like three numbers. You must be doing it in the British sense where they use commas <laughs> as periods. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's like a slash or something in there. Yeah, and, it's, and a lot of like fr- there's like a number, like a little number and a, a straight line, and then a number underneath <laughs> it, like a big number underneath it. Yeah. I, that's what they're paying me on. Is that that's like that's a lot of numbers. The more numbers, the better. Yeah. 0.02 over 100. Whatever that is, that's great. So we're rolling in it. Yeah, but we could always use a little bit more on Patreon. But Come on. yeah, 10 years. 10 years. 10 years ago, we started this. And it's, uh, well, at the end, we have a listener question where we, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But uh, I missed the intros. <laughs> I We do not have the time at all to do that. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it the other day. I was thinking about the candy one where we made yeah. a candy, candy uh, monster. A candy god. Yeah. Because, uh, Bit of honey came up, and I was thinking, I am the alpha, I am the omega, right. I am a bit of honey. <laughs> and that, that if there's one thing that will be in my mind when I die, it yeah. will be, I am the alpha, <laughs> I am the omega. And that's how you become Chernabog yep. when you die. <laughs> you're, you're already spelling out what your epitaph is going to be. <laughs> so no, no spoilers. Um, husband. Father, <laughs> bit oh honey, <laughs> bit oh bit oh husband, bit oh father. I do miss writing with you. I don't miss the intros, but if you wanted to write an intro, I would love to read I it. I know because when this show inevitably comes to a screeching halt, yeah, I'm forcing you to do one more intro, and I already know what it's going to be. Well, so stay tuned, al- everybody. If it's already drafted, then I have no problem. <laughs> yeah. This one's already registered with the WGA. <laughs> so yeah, happy ten, happy ten, happy ten years, ten years, and you don't look any different because I've never looked at you. <laughs> this is the first time I've glanced at you. <laughs> Your microphone pop guard looks just the same <laughs> as the one we didn't have at the beginning. Would you listen to episode one again? I don't think I could do it. No, I don't think I could do it either. I, like, I, I Terrified feel like, of it. I feel like I've heard snippets of it and like our voices are like, hey, everybody, we're yeah. here. I, and the, uh, the audio's awful. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't even imagine how different and bad it is. No, I, I, I feel like people are meeting me and finding out I have a podcast, which is against my will. Um, and they're like, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning and start. Please don't do that. Yeah, I, but I think most podcasts would tell you don't start sure. at the beginning. They're, and listen to them. <laughs> For the love of God, heed yeah. the warning. Unless your, your whole thing is like, I like the progression. We did. Oh, you'll see a progression. It's, a, it. it's, it's kind of a lateral move, but... <laughs> Yeah, the progression. We we moved forward like a crab. <laughs> Phantom's about to make the greatest leap of his a quantum leap from the couch onto my. He's recording. going to destroy that table. Uh, well, then let's keep moving before okay. he makes this quantum leap. So let's talk about what we did in October. Why dwell on the past of the last ten years? You I'll go, go first. first. Please. I know I tell people this too late every single year on November first, uh, but sure I'm going. Do. Okay, here's what you all should do: pull out your phones right now, uh-huh. your iPhones. If you yes. don't have an iPhone. Yeah, with the time. Go back, go back into the hay bale that you came from and stop listening. Uh-huh. Take out your iPhone and say, t- say to your Siri right now, hey Siri. I hope everybody's phone activated. Yeah. Remind me on October 15th, 2024, to look up when I can go to Rotten Apple in Burbank. Rotten because Apple I was telling Burbank. you about this you before. If you're gonna just go to one like Halloween homemade maze. Go to that one. It's in Burbank. Someone, I don't know who these people are. Maybe they're listening. I don't but know who these, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> oh my God. He made he the quantum it. leap. Of course he did. They build basically an entire second house on their front lawn as the maze. And they've been doing uh-huh. this for, I think, 20 years. So uh, this is their 20th anniversary. Happy 20 to you. But the one this year was movie related. And I was telling you, okay. So I was telling you to go. Uh-huh. 
because like it takes you through different movies. Yes. And I told you to do this. And if any of our listeners go to Rotten Apple or went to Rotten Apple since this comes out November 1st. Yeah. When you got into the room with Beetlejuice and he tells you to say his name three times, if you did, did he give you a Zagnut? I need to know because I was too afraid to say his name three times. And if he gave you a Zagnut, I'm going to that house today, November 1st, and demanding a Zagnut because that is the biggest mistake I ever made. So I'm, I'm counting on all of our listeners, if you did it, to tell me. And I'm counting on you to go this weekend and to do it and tell me if it actually works. Are they going past November? No, it's... it's. I, they oh, you're might, talking about next year? Next year. No, okay. no, no. I'm t- if anyone went, I want you to go. I'm, oh, we're, right. We're recording this before Halloween. Surprise. But if you end up going to this, I want you to do it and tell me. And if any of our listeners have gone this past year, do it and tell me. But I'm telling you, hey, Siri, set a reminder for October 15, 2024 to go to Rotten Apple and Burbank and thank Daniel. Thank you. That's what I did in the past month. He's eating foam. Okay. <laughs> All right, I, I am curious because I I also would be scared to say his name three times because I've seen the movie. Yeah, I and know he's what, up to no good in the movie, and like even if it's just like he'd make me go to girls, girls, girls. Yeah, he he would just like gyrate at me, and I'd be traumatized. So like, yeah, I get why you didn't say his name three he'd times. Sick Alec Baldwin on me. What's that line from Arrested Development when George Michael's asking Job if Franklin's going to be at a party, and and Job's like, I see, you know, all the kids love Franklin. He's like, no, I just, I don't want him to point out my cracker ass in front of Anne, is how I feel you reacted when you saw Beetlejuice. Like, please don't make fun of me in front of Melissa. If I, if I activate <laughs> Beetlejuice, you're just going to make fun of me. So, you know I, what? Keep your Zagnut. How can I compete with the ghost with the most? <laughs> <laughs> me, the beast with the least. <laughs> uh, Painful. So, if anyone, uh, tell me, please tell me. Yeah. Those who were brave enough, tell me. But it was still fun, even though I didn't get a Zagnut. Which is how I end most of my reviews of things. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, if you look on my Yelp account, three paragraph long review. It was pretty good, even though I didn't get a zag nut. Now, what did you do in the last month? We had a solar eclipse this month, right? Uh, yeah, solar, solar eclipse, eclipse. Uh, an annular solar, an angular. Um, <laughs> me and Ada and Ringo went to Glendale Public Library. Had a um sort of eclipse party at like you know seven thirty or eight thirty in the morning, and they had mats and snacks and all this information. <laughs> I, I loved it. And which uh, mat? Math, Matt Zombo? Matt, yeah, my, Matt Zombo. He was there. My middle school boy. Yeah, he let me sit on him. Um, it's a new thing he's into. And he's very progressive. And you know what? I kind of get why he picked on you now, and I'm kind of on his side. The bully has become the bully. <laughs> but it, um, sitting there, you know, with families all around me and in, in like the, the lawn of a public library, I really got that feeling that you get in small towns when everyone, right. you find everyone in town. Yeah, we're unveiling around. a new bell. Yeah, There's exactly. a new stop sign. Yeah, we repainted the gazebo. <laughs> Old man Emery's gazebo. Yeah, it, it was. It felt really uh, neat. So everyone, take out your iPhones yeah. and say, "Hey Siri, mm-hmm. remind me twenty minutes before the next solar eclipse to, to go, go to, to the a, Glendale Library, the, the closest public library, and see if they see." What I'm trying to say is. Find out if your closest public library has something for yeah. eclipses and stuff. And that's like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself. It was fun. I mean, I was able to finally walk out in the daylight, but because we had... Were you doing a shift or what? We, we had... Did you put your hours in? Yes. Yeah, my hours are sucking blood. Yeah. I was sucking down blood. <laughs> um, we had those solar eclipse glasses. Yeah that we got from a different library and we were outside the building here and everyone was walking by like, is there a solar eclipse happening? And they all were like, can I borrow your glasses? And we had to, and that's why. Are you Galileo? (laughs) Are you trying to tell me the earth doesn't revolve around the sun? Does the Pope know about this? (laughs) (laughs) 
So I now have pink eye and I also stared at the sun. So I'm blind with pink eye. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun. It yeah. was sort of a community. I've always wanted to go to one of the star parties at like the yeah. Griffith Observatory. Mars parking ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the famous sign. Yeah. Right? Famous sign Mars parking ahead. But yeah, I, it, it is fun to be part of a community. It is, right. it is. Every once in a while you really get that. And um, sometimes I be in the crowd and I'll get really nervous since COVID specifically, I'll get very, very <laughs> hot. But like this was one where we were all like kind of separated and it was yeah. just nice to be around people and not have to, we weren't like, we, right. nobody had to buy anything. <laughs> that is, that's my favorite part. Yeah, my favorite part. I left my wallet at home. There's only three people I really like being in a crowd around and that's Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice <laughs> and Beetlejuice. No, no, third one. Oh, no, the law firm of Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's get into November. Okay. It's enough of this spooky Eclipses yeah. and Beetlejai, yeah. which is also a star um, in many ways. So <laughs> let's explain this episode for November, because this is one I've been thinking about. And also people have wanted us to mm-hmm. do this for a while. Yeah. So since it's November and we are going to spend all of our money shopping for gifts for people this month and next I thought it would be good to talk about malls, places that we are going to be spending a lot of time in in the next few weeks. Yes, unfortunately. Very true. Sabaro. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Hot dog on a stick. <laughs> Philly's big cheesesteak or whatever. <laughs> Panda Express. I think there's some... Mongolian uh, food. Pa- Panda Express. Did you say that already? <laughs> Sabaro. Sabaro Express. <laughs> Panda Sabaro. <laughs> Claire's now has food. <laughs> you get to eat the little pieces of the ear <laughs> that they puncture out when they pierce your ear. That's technically a restaurant They deep now. fry them. It's <laughs> it's deep fried cartilage. It's good. The free sample it's you get butter. at Seas Candy. <laughs> the free coffee samples you get at World Market. These are things in the mall. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be talking about some malls. I have... Only okay. Let me think about how to put this because you have one that is no longer because we wanted to have some history, like historic history. Yeah, in this. and it's it's a spot that I've always wanted to talk about, and I fit a crime in there too. So <laughs> I did a crime in I did a crime in all. I of do my crimes places. in any mall I go to. If, do you see how many samples I get at Seas Candy? <laughs> Technically, it's a crime. It's a felony. Yeah, but I did one that has a lot of history, but is sort of a different type of mall, yeah. but it is still a mall. I will fight to the death. One is a very popular current mall, and one is a very popular old mall that no longer... Well, it does exist, but it, it, in, it's a shadow. It's an annular eclipse of its former self. It is because it was... I grew up in that area, and that was like the mall to go to on our side of town. Oh, and wait, then, wait, wait, wait. Which one are you... Ta- oh, wait. Are you talking about... Which one are you talking about? I'm talking what about the talking one about? near I live, where near where I live. I'm talking okay, because I, I was talking about the one near where I live. Oh wow, look at that. Okay, we'll get to it when we get to there, it. Then. There's a clear winner between our two, is, uh, I guess, uh, and it's it's you. Well, I mean, like take the victory. That used to be a big mall, and then another mall opened right across the street and like split the difference. Yes, it did. Which is also, I was let's let's just why please, be, please, let's stop please, talking please. in metaphors that nobody knows what we're yeah, talking please. about. So I'm going to start with two of mine that are kind of short. Okay, the first one, Galleria. How about Gyaria? <laughs> How about Thearia? How about Diarrhea? I'm choosing as my first one, the one that is closer to you, the yes. one you were talking about, the venerable, the iconic, mm-hmm. the Glendale Galleria. Glendale Galleria. Have you... Uh, the best alliterative name for a shopping center. That is pretty good. Yeah. Not as good as the Sherman Oaks Fashion Square. <laughs> Sherman Oaks Galleria. 
Rodeo Rise. <laughs> Glendale Gallery was the big mall. It's like the local one was Eagle Rock Plaza, which was a little like easier to get around at the time. But like if oh we have Christmas shopping do oh we have we have to go to like a nice department store we will go to Glendale Galleria and that was like the big mall and then the Americana Americana <laughs> open. <laughs> Americaca opened up. That's pretty funny. I never called it that before. The Americaca opened up across the street. And they moved the poor Italian village out. Giuseppe Hughes to make bread here. And now it's an Apple store. Well, I always thought that that's where the original Eiffel Tower was. And all of those stores pushed up from the core of the earth and and brought it up a layer. And it's not leaning anymore. Is that the right one? (laughs) The Eiffel Tower leans? The leaning tower of Eiffel. (laughs) I fall. (laughs) That's what it means in French. I fell and I I can't get up. (laughs) I fell tower. I can't get up tower. Uh, We've got all sorts of fun wordplay we can do with the Americana. (laughs) The Americaca. The Americaca. Sorry. As as it used to be called in the old country, (laughs) the Americaca. So my mall growing up was the Northridge Mall. Oh, right. I guess it's the Northridge Fashion Center technically, but that was my mall. But that, that... I don't think there's any history in that mall other no. than the time that I got money for watching uh, an advanced screening of Tristan and I sold oh, cool. and being the focus group. And I got like $10 for watching it and saying it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> it stinks. I'm 14. Why I'm are you 14? I this? saw the critic this week. <laughs> It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> so take James Franco out of everything. So yeah, that was my mall. But this place, the Glendale Galleria, I had actually never been to until last week. I went there for research. Oh wow, really? Because I, I wanted you to see. The I want. I, you know, I I put on my uniform, which is John Travolta's suit from yeah. Saturday Night Fever, <laughs> and I I walked around. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a, I'll get into it, but it's a bustling mall. Yeah. Like this mall is thriving. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. Could have fooled me. Could have fooled me. Could have fooled me. I'm down at the Americana at the American, <laughs> American girl store. The Americana girl store. I, I used to, my mom worked in Glendale growing up. So I, when I worked with her during the summer, I would just like walk and leave. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I would just walk around the Glendale Galleria. I'd hitchhike over to the yeah, yeah, exactly. So Glendale Galleria, I know like the back of my hand, or at least like you the know, what? like the back of my hand. Oh, my face the my Mac, can, the Mac man. I know it like the back of my hand. If the back of my hand was continually changing stores and locations. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you got a sixth finger put yeah. in recently. <laughs> That's where you keep your Nordstroms. Yes, it's it's it, it was an okay. Let's just talk yes, about please. it. This behemoth was developed in 1972 by a group called the Glendale Associates and was designed by a guy named John Jurd. Everybody involved with this has an alliterative name (laughs) who actually, so he based the design of the Glendale Galleria on an essay written by Ray Bradbury on how great downtown LA used to be as a shopping and cultural. Wow, really? So his rosy eyed descriptions were, and slightly overrated, were incorporated into the design of this place to make it into a thriving place of commerce and also community by trying to incorporate how downtown LA used to be into the layout of the Glendale Galleria. Okay. So that was the idea to make it like a like a shopping district more than just a mall where people run in. I got to get, I got to get some Adidas. I got to get a who farted shirt from Spencer's <laughs> gift and get out of here. I got to get like grandma a, needs it. Like a wiggling finger at Spencer's or something that I don't understand because I'm 10. I just thought it was neat. And then my mom yelled at me, but then she kept it. I got to get pants that zip off into shorts at, <laughs> at Pacific Sunwear and get the hell out of here. They wanted you to linger at the Pacific Sunwear and the Spencer's <laughs> gift. You know, because at the end of the day, isn't life just a Spencer's gift? 
You thought you were in a pack sun, but you're actually in a Spencer's gift. Yeah, you just got to sit back in the Adirondack chairs in front of Abercrombie and yeah. Fitch and watch the Pacific sunset. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that was the idea to make it more than just a shopping place, but a cultural, like a, a gathering place, a cultural hub. Did it work? <laughs> Yes, it absolutely works. So this plan was for this place to be absolutely huge. So to prevent this from taking as long to build as that cathedral in Spain that I can't remember the name of, they decided to open it up in two phases. Construction started in 1973 and on October 14th, just a couple of weeks ago, 1976, phase one of the Glendale Galleria opened for business. And when it opened, it was anchored by four major department stores. You got Buffums. You got, <laughs> have you ever heard, stop me if you've heard this one. Have you heard of Buffums? They had a, a restaurant part of it called Stuffums. <laughs> <laughs> they also had a gym, ironically, also called Buffums. <laughs> <laughs> they also had a car detailing place, uh, ironically also called Buffums. There was a wing with dedicated to a TV show about a vampire slayer. <laughs> ironically. <laughs> this might surprise you. So there was Buffums. There was the Broadway. Okay. There was Orbox, which ironically had a whole section devoted to character actor Jerry Orbox. <laughs> Jerry Orbach. And then uh, there was J.C. Penny. Okay. That's no, no joke. No, no. no jokes about J- Jesus Christ Penny. <laughs> you, oh, you mean the guy who vanquished... Uh, <laughs> oh my God. No, Chernabog. Chernabog. Yeah, Chernabog rug. So they had also 4,000 parking spots, which uh, I feel like they, also, they still have 4,000 parking yeah. spots. All full. And everybody's fighting for every single one of them. <laughs> 4,000 parking spots, 5,000 cars looking for a parking spot. <laughs> so the second phase opened in September 1983 and was referred to as Galleria 2, which is when they got rid of Purgatory. <laughs> um, take that, JC J- Petty. <laughs> so in this expansion, they added an entirely new wing and a Nordstrom. All right. Whoa, stepping up. My joke about your hand stands. <laughs> Handstands? Handstands? Hamstams? And they also opened a Mervyn's. Oh, Mer- oh, I remember a Mervyn's. My boyhood department store, Mervyn's. I, you know, please don't make me go to Mervyn's. <laughs> Mom, can we please leave Mervyn's? I feel like I did most... I don't. Uh, yeah, maybe I was in Mervyn's doing my shopping. Okay. I feel like JCPenney, yeah. Mervyn's. They got some good slack. They got some good... They. If I ever soiled my Oshkosh bagosh, I would go straight to Mervyn's. <laughs> So once all was said and done, this place was three stories tall and covered 34 and a half acres with 1.6 million square feet of retail space. It had, and maybe still has, I'm not sure, it had its own police station and zip code and is currently the fourth largest mall in LA County, costing a total of $75 million to build. I thought you were going to say it had its own zip line. Zip code's okay too, (laughs) I guess, but it's not the same. It It technically has... A vote in the Senate of <laughs> the Glendale Galleria. All presidential elections fall to Ohio, Florida, and the Glendale Galleria. <laughs> yeah. We're waiting on word from the Glendale Galleria. <laughs> These hanging chads. It's no longer a store in the. It's, it's no longer where I buy my chads. <laughs> The filibuster department store. <laughs> the filibuster was the food court at uh, JC. <laughs> filibuster Browns was where Dave and filibuster. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're looking for. There's a lot of things we're looking for here. And, and you'll find it at the Glendale Galleria. <laughs> this place was really... Melissa wasn't that impressed with it because she grew up with the Delamo Mall. That was oh, her yeah, childhood mall. Big. And that, I think, is the biggest mall in the country or maybe the one in Minnesota is bigger. But like sure. the Delamo Mall is massive. I stepped into it because I'm work near there and there. <laughs> and you've never I, left. I, yeah, I think I still might be. It's like the second season of um, Channel Zero. I still might be in there. 
Yeah, I went to the Delamo Mall for the first time recently, and it like I, it was like walking into the Vatican. Like it was like, oh, uh, this space is giant. Like, does, is this six floors? Well, you do. That's why you go to the JC Penney. Oh, first right. Things first. First things first. It's yeah, it's like yeah. a, a transfer area. Like when you come back from space and they need you, they need you to hang out. Yeah. You go to JC Penney's first, and then you can go to Real World. That's a place where it, it's almost like Las Vegas, where mm-hmm. like you're wondering, how am I still inside a casino? Yeah. I've been running for forty minutes. <laughs> I've been running with this sack of cash <laughs> for forty. <laughs> minutes and i think i'm still they're gonna arrest me and i have to stay and they're like i'm doing four to five in the dalamo mall yeah that is the purgatory (laughs) they got rid of the purgatory at the glendale galleria and put it in the dalamo mall my favorite joe Baez song (laughs) they paved purgatory (laughs) and put up a journey shoes So what's most impressive about this place, other than what I'll get to at the end, is how many major firsts they've had at Glendale Gallery. Hit me with them. First off, they had the first Massis Kebab, which has been there since they opened in 1976. It's a. Have you seen those? It's mostly in the mall. It's like a kebab place that's in pretty much every mall. I want. It's it's at the Sherman Oaks Fashion Center. I feel like there's other ones also. No, I don't think I've done that. Um, Been there, eaten there. (laughs) <laughs> been there, done that, haven't eaten there, though. Haven't kebobbed there. Of course, we know that the original Panda Express opened in their yes. food court in 1983. They also had the first ever Disney store. Oh, right. That opened March 28th, 1987. On May 19th, 2001, they also had one of the first two Apple stores ever opened. Wow. They opened concurrently. The other one was in Virginia. So it was Virginia wow. and the Glendale Gallery yeah. on the same day. In July 2007, they also got the first three-story Target in the United States, replacing the old Robinson's May. Right. They paved Robinson's May. May and put up a three-story Target. With 4,000 parking <laughs> spots. I think that's my least favorite Target. And I really? Do, and I do great Targets. I saw it when I was there, but I did not go into it. Yeah, you're probably Three-story seems like too much. It's a bit excessive. Yeah. What's in the third story? Uh, the JC JCPenney's. <laughs> the- <laughs> a weird thing came up when you were talking right now. But on uh, my, my sister-in-law used to work at the Warner Brothers store there. And on September 11th, uh, she was wondering if she still had to go in. And so me and my best friend growing up and my cousin, everybody got congregated at my house. And we, 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 she asked you, are you responsible? Yeah. Where were you? Why didn't you stop this? Um, you knew what was going to happen. Um, my sister-in-law was like, do you guys want to come with me to the mall? Cause I didn't want to go pick up a check, but also if I have to work, you have to wait there for eight hours. <laughs> And we were like, okay, I don't want to be in front of the TV anymore. Please take me away. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's better. I, well, so I, 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 can't, I can't tell if that's better or worse, being in one of the biggest malls in the city or, yeah. uh, or, or staying or, home or and watching, watching the trauma. <laughs> yeah, trauma that was hours over. So on September 11th, I, I did find myself at the Glendale Galleria. Uh, if we can't go back to the Glendale Galleria, then the terrorists have won. <laughs> then where can we go? Where is safe? <laughs> what is safe anymore? So this place has been seen in Big Man on Campus. <laughs> Dynasty oh. and one of the 80s Twilight Zone episodes. I was actually kind of um, surprised how few things seem to have been filmed at the Glendale Galleria. There's a movie, 80s movie that I loved called Cloak and Dagger, which filmed there. And I remember the store. Oh, that's not in my notes. No, I, I had them erased the uh, movie. 9-11 stories in my notes, but <laughs> that's not in my notes. I, I, I always know where you were on the 9-11. Your sad 9-11 yeah. story. <laughs> it's not sad. It's just confusing. Um, It's a movie that I, I feel like I've only ever seen two other people talk about i've never heard of it yeah thank you um for uh, <laughs> i'm not one of the two. henry thomas is in it oh, um okay w- whenever i go there with anybody i'd be like cloak and dagger store 
Yeah, it's a sword from Cloak and Decker. Right. They shoot that guy. And everyone hates when you say yeah. that. The Glendale Galleria was sold in 2002 to General Growth Properties for $415 million. And before, orange people. before that, it was owned by a group of owners made up of a company called Jay Griffiths, not Griffiths, Jay Griffiths, Cigna, and also the New York State Teachers Retirement System. What? I guess maybe I was thinking like, they is that how in? they like made kept their pension fund by like profiting off the Glendale Galleria? Oh, maybe. I have no idea. It was renovated in 2012 for $57.5 million. And today they have the Partner to Empower program to help business owners of color to open up stores in the Glendale Galleria. But what's really most impressive, like I was saying about the Glendale Galleria, is how popular they still are today. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe... Like in a world where most malls are either dead or dying, yeah. I, I was there and it was packed with people. And there were also not many empty storefronts. Yeah. Like no. you'll see in a lot of malls. Like every single thing was a place. Yeah. Yeah. The, and people wrong, were in them. People were shopping, actively shopping. You could give them money and they give you stuff. And they give you they give you a product <laughs> and a little piece of paper that proves it. Yeah. A, a little piece of paper that I can show people. <laughs> I'm going to return the gift that they got. <laughs> I'm going to bring this fake stud back to Hot Topic in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I guess you're right. I, I, it is thriving. The times that I go, usually it's like dead hours. Uh, but no, I feel it's like still, it's still thriving even then. I wonder how much runoff they get from the Americana. Well, the Americana, you can't Americana. do your every the Americana. You can't do your everyday shopping there. Oh. But as of a few years ago, Disneyland was getting some 18 million visitors a year. The Glendale Galleria was getting 30 million. Oh visitors. My so it's more God. it's proven more fun than Disneyland. It's proven more fun, and also it's it's free. They they let you go in for free. You walk in for free. You do have to pay to meet their mascot, which is. Not Mickey, yeah. but it is a mouse that they found. <laughs> I mean, if you, yeah, if you bring the family, yeah, come on down, have on a down. great time at uh, Pan Express, the first Pan Express, um, Pirates of the Chanel Arabian. I'm trying to think of uh, the the haunted Mervins, <laughs> Lilo and Abercrombie and Fitch, Lilo and Abercrombie and Stitch. <laughs> so a big part of this is that original design intention that they've maintained to today of making sure that they stay a communal place where people don't just go shop but gather. And the financial success of it is in a large part responsible for what Glendale has grown into today. Because before this, there was a huge retail void and the city kind of expanded around what the Galleria could provide. Yeah. And it became public knowledge that Ray Bradbury's essay was such a big influence on the success that was the Glendale Galleria. The designers of the Century City Mall went to Bradbury asking for advice on how to be as successful as the Glendale Galleria. Wow. And he looked at their plans and told them this will never be a good mall. Wow. And he gave them all these tips on how they could fix it and they ignored it. And when they opened, it was a total failure. And then a year later, they went back to Bradbury and begged for forgiveness <sighs> and listened to all his advice this time. And that's how we got whatever it is that the Century City Mall is now. And that's the story of how we got the Century City, City mall. mall. Century City Mall. I've only been there a handful of times, but it looks like a level from the video game Dark Forces. A, a dork. It's a Star Wars game. <laughs> dork. Oh, games. Uh, uh, dork alert. Uh, this guy must have been at uh, uh, GameStop when I was over at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> the only games I played were Dames. Your monster, your pig, your animal. The, 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 the only video games I played were he, he, the sport video games because uh, 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 I'm cool. <laughs> um, so 
So that's the Glendale Galleria. Cool. Let's move on uh-huh. to another Galleria Please. of mine. Galleria. How about Gaiaria? Oh how about Thearia? How about Diarrhea? I'm choosing as my second one. The formerly venerable, the formerly iconic, the former and current, the once and future Sherman Oaks Galleria. Sherman Oaks Galleria. This is the one. Where is the Sherman Oaks the Galleria? The Sherman Oaks Galleria is right off the 405. You know when you're driving on the 405 North oh, yes. and you yes, see yes, yes. the former Arclight? Yes. That is what was the former Arclight was what once was the Sherman Oaks Galleria. <laughs> okay. That's it's good still to know. Ca- we'll talk about it. It's still called the Sherman Oaks Galleria, right. but it is not the Sherman Oaks Galleria of lore. Right. Where we saw Rogue One. That's where we saw Rogue One. That's that. So this certifiable cultural icon opened right at the dawn of the 1980s, 1980. (laughs) It was three stories tall and had about a million square feet of space with a really imposing, if you've seen old pictures of how it looked, it was a really unwelcoming exterior. It was just like white stone. And of course... It had like a a moat with a dragon... A bunch of like heads on sticks. Families are welcome. Uh, Sepulveda Boulevard just used to be bloody spikes. (laughs) Of course, even then they had really bad parking. Yeah. In its prime, it had every type of store you think of when you think of malls from the 80s. It had licorice pizza. It had an arcade. It had a Pacific theater. It had real pizza. And the reason this place had every type of store you'd be familiar with is for the reason this mall is remembered by history, which is because those classic 80s mall tropes are from the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Mall culture as we know it stems from Sepulveda and Ventura Boulevard, the Sherman Oaks Gallery. Because what movies were, it was... Oh, oh I'll be getting comment. into okay. it. Oh, I'll be getting... Oh, right. pst, everybody, pretend you didn't yeah, hear that. Yeah, pretend you hear those four words right there. Pret- just like you hearing that is like when you see the comet in Night of the Comet. <laughs> the teenage cultural scene that coalesced here in the 80s as a result of the kind of richer kids living in this part of the valley. Yeah, valley kids. Scumbags. Rich valley kids. <laughs> All of them. All of these kids kind of came to the Sherman Oaks Galleria and that made that sort of the recognized ground zero of the Valley Girl. Sure. So it came from here. A status solidified when it was mentioned in the Frank Zappa song, Valley Girl. They mm-hmm. they say the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Then even more so when it became the go-to filming location for quintessential mall movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yep. Night of the Comet. Now you yep. can listen to it. It's safe now. <laughs> Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. And my favorite mall movie, Commando. But really, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was kind of like, yeah. I mean, it was already a thing, but just that image uh, became so, like it. That's the mall that the Starcourt Mall in Stranger Things is based on. Right. Yeah. Its influence was so big that the LA Times once said that both Sean Penn and Nicolas Cage owe their careers to the Sherman Oaks Gallery. Even though Valley Girl, the movie, was actually filmed at the Delamo Mall, but the movie itself owes itself to the Galleria. Sure. The heyday of this place was actually pretty brief, and its downfall can be traced to starting as early as 1992. Wow. So that was the year Robinsons and the May Company merged to become Robinsons. May. Yeah. Uh, what what food court do they have in there? <laughs> Again, what was their food court called? They just served as Red Robinson May. <laughs> Robinson's May I Have Some More? <laughs> and then the name goes on More. More? It was more of a It's like dialogue kitchen. as a title, yeah. yeah it's a it was, soup kitchen. <laughs> so the problem for the Galleria with this was that Robinson's, their downfall is really pretty interesting. I, I'm, I love hearing the downfall of major, you know, who thought Rome could yeah. ever fall. <laughs> So the problem was that Robinson's had been the main attraction on the south end of the mall and the May Company had been the anchor store on the north end of the mall. So now the two stores combined to Robinson's May. So Robinson's May Men's and Home was on the north of the mall and Titanic Rules Women and Children was on the south. Sure. 
This meant that there was now only one department store in the whole mall, and that was kind of boring. And then the earthquake hit. 1994, Northridge earthquake. It actually didn't damage the mall that bad. Most places were reopened just 11 days later. But for some reason, Robinson's May dragged their feet and didn't fully reopen their two stores for four years. Whoa. So now the only department store in the mall that people weren't even excited to begin with about wasn't even open. Yeah. I can't even drag my family there. Where am I going to get my Jordache now? (laughs) Glendale? Where the hell's that? This is the valley. I I don't have a passport. (laughs) In that zip code? (laughs) So this caused less foot traffic into the mall, which meant less customers to the smaller stores, which caused the smaller stores to slowly get out of business, which led to even less foot traffic and even worse business overall. Right. So by 1997, the mall was only at 40% capacity of their stores. So the owners wanted out quick. So they sold the mall for $51 million to the Douglas Emmett Company, who had plans to pump $200 million into it to revamp it. And this meant kicking out all the businesses still in there, but they wanted to squeeze a little more out of the situation Uh by suing Robinson's May for having been closed for so long. How dare you suck? And dragging the entire mall down with it. And then they sued the Northridge earthquake. (laughs) Uh, And you better have a good lawyer. Well, they went with Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and Beetlejuice to sue the North Earthquake. (laughs) So Robinson's May countersued saying their mall sucked anyway, and they had to force them to- Your Honor. (laughs) Your Honor. (laughs) May I speak candidly, but this mall can suck it. Sustained. Um. (laughs) I'll allow it, but watch yourself. (laughs) And watch this. And they start to break dancing. Yeah, he starts floss dancing. (laughs) Way ahead of his time. (laughs) So they sued saying that they forced them to pump- more money into reopening their two stores only to have them now close everything. Oh my God. So this battle for the ages was eventually settled in 1999 and on April Fool's Day of that year, Robinson's May finally left and the Sherman Oaks Galleria was dead. Wow, stake in the heart dead on April Fool's Day? I know, but... It's coming back April 2nd, right? And everyone's like waiting to go in, right? This will be my really daughter's f- birthday. The new plan here was to turn it into what they called a lifestyle center. It was going like to be a the gym? it was going to be the cultural hub. It was more of a cult. Uh, it was a Scientology building. The arrogant sometimes are like this is going to be a cultural yeah, center. This is going to be a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. This is a mall that's going to go viral. <laughs> Like in Chopping Mall. <laughs> it was going to be the cultural hub of the valley and be open 24 hours. Oh it, my God. it would be more accessible and people were going to love it. What ended up happening was they demolished the entire building and built what they have here today. The modern Sherman Oaks Galleria opened in 2002 and is pretty small, mostly outdoor mall with only 30% of it being retail and it's mostly just offices. Yeah, and it's also next to the craziest freeway you've ever seen. Yeah, well, that's the best part, <laughs> that a car can come flying into the movie theater at any second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, this 4D is great. Oh no, my legs. Oh no, that's not part of the uh, 3D. Warner Brothers animation was actually there for a while. Wow, really? So maybe you're, you're sister-in-law could work there if, yeah. it, if it's 9-11 um next uh, american catastrophe yeah she could can i report can i, can I still pick up a paycheck <laughs> so the thing is it seems like they pretty much built what they intended to the problem was that it sucks, sucks and they're and, stupid and people did what sci-fi really writer care. did you go to asimov coons who'd you go to for this mall <laughs> we got all of our ideas from philip k dick <laughs> he wrote it on the wall in his own excrement People are going to love this. It's going to have one store and a movie theater you have to walk 40 minutes to get to. And if you spray this spray on the wall, you'll see the true nature of humanity. But also you're the wall. And if you when you go in, you do have to take the Voight Kampf test. 
So, so people just didn't really care that it was opening it. Like the yeah. local businesses surrounding the place were afraid that it would draw away business in the immediate area. Yeah. And if you look at what's immediately around it, it kind of did. Like it's kind yeah. of a wasteland. I love that- spending my money at the 405. Yeah, it, it is a wasteland because <laughs> everything else is on the block you can walk to, but going to the mall. It's yeah, it's kind of a drag. It's, I realized why this place sucks. It has, you can picture it, right? Picture this. Mm-hmm. It has that grand main entrance yeah. on Ventura and Sepulveda, where it's like a fountain and these yeah. steps. But the problem is nobody enters from nope. Ventura and Sepulveda. That's nope. one of the busiest intersections yep. in the valley. And there's maybe a bus that lets you off somewhere near there. Yeah. But other than that, there's no major public transportation stop and everyone drives there anyway. And the parking lot is on the opposite end of a long ass wind tunnel that you have to walk through to get to the stores of which they're aren't any yeah like there's nothing there there's a dsw and i guess a regal that's about to close what's the restaurant that's there that that el torito or cheesecake factory it's cheesecake and then like a home like a furniture store that's constantly out of business or going out of business how furniture stores stay in business but yeah and a buffalo wild wings (laughs) and pf chang oh i forgot i love this place yeah there's like nothing like it there that's not where people are entering it's not worth the effort of getting into it it's so hard to get in there like if i i dread the day i need to buy new shoes because I have to walk so far to get to DSW and then pray that my validation still holds by the time I get back yeah. to my car. After trying on over 400 shoes at DSW, <laughs> the fine selection at DSW. Um, the side you're talking about with the fountain, it is the way you'd want a mall to look in the entrance and you're right when you go on the opposite end to park your car, it's so desolate. Like it it's is. just like the wall of the and freeway. So it's an alley and it's a, it's a windy. Yeah. But I mean, maybe if, if the light rail gets built, it'll give the Sherman Oaks gallery a second golden age. But by sure. that point, the only thing people will be shopping here for is anti-sentient AI weaponry, which is totally not bodacious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just kind of a, like, what a miss, a, a yeah. misunderstanding of, like, how people would be using this mall. It's really unfortunate. I wish it was a cool mall. Yeah. I wish it was our Galleria, Glendale Galleria. Thank you. And, and thank you. And thank you for and thank, thank you for, you for recognizing. Yeah, thank you, the and thank you for gallery. your service. These are two fine galleries, and I like to. Um, I would like to shop till I drop. Yeah, at one of the well, one one, one of, of these, these two yeah. galleries. What a shame that the Sherman Oaks yeah. gallery, because it really was like a cultural icon, mm-hmm. and like, uh, you know, say what you know, however you feel about the Valley Girl stereotype and like personality sure. emanating into the world, uh, going viral into yeah. the world. But like it did create a, yeah. a movement, <laughs> a phenomenon. Yeah. It, it's just strange to me that a mall could not do well. Like there's so, well, uh, we I don't know. S- we see so many now. We see so many now and we buy stuff online so much, but I feel like there needs to be like a place to go to for people in a bind. You know for, what I mean? Yeah. For people, for, for the people who want to shop on December 24th, exactly, malls yeah. should be open only one day of the year and before any birthday of anybody who I know. Yeah. But only the birthday said I care about. Um, <laughs> it's very strange to see like growing up. I'm sure you and I understand this because we're old people now. Like, uh, speak the, for yourself. The, I've got a backwards baseball cap on. I've got sunglasses inside. The mall is like the, I wear my sunglasses at night. Okay. <laughs> the mall was the place to go to, and like you had to go to the mall. Like sometimes you wanted to, but sometimes like there were many times that you had to go to the mall. It was the only place you can get stuff done. And yes. for that to see that undone, um, but also, very strange. Also, as like you were saying, a place you wanted, like because my middle school was a few blocks away from the Northridge Mall, right. and it was like a rite of passage yeah. when you got to the age where you were old enough to be able to defend yourself from a kidnapper, and you could walk after school from the mall from 
from the school to the mall. Like yeah. that was a big deal. And you ran into all your friends there and stuff. I was walking there with my friends and I met a group of our enemies. <laughs> and that's why and we dagger fought and uh, America. No, 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 no. That happened. It was there. a real Tristan and I sold situation. <laughs> so now let's talk about what you've got. Now we're getting away from traditional malls yes. into something of a a simpler time. A simpler time. A time where pretzels had not yet been wetzled. <laughs> we were only allowed to breathe because Hearst needed our money. Yeah. We're here to talk about the famous crossroads of the world. 6671 Sunset Boulevard at Sunset and Los Palmas. I have never been here because it's always been closed as far yes. as I'm aware. It's in my lifetime. I'm yeah, so much younger than you. It's, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm almost 45 minutes younger than you. <laughs> Um, yeah, mama I, had you first. Okay. I wonder if it's closed or if it's closed to the public. I think it's close to the public, but yes, I don't know the, why it are, would be. There are businesses that have like offices yeah. there and maybe you can go in there. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. And, and the more I think about like, God, when's the last time I just walked up to the gate? I always pass by it. Yeah. And it looks so cool. It does look <laughs> so cool. And I remember going as a kid. I, the gate tastes so good too. I was telling you, I, I remember when I was a kid, my uncle took me and my brother to go see Michael Keaton, 89 Batman at Grumman's Chinese Theater, but we stopped to uh, we stopped at the crossroads of the world and we walked from there to Grumman Chinese from that's kind of a walk isn't it no it's not no well it's I'm, it's it's not far from Highland you went from rooftop to rooftop and yeah 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 we there. had a batarang so um, <laughs> or whatever the utility belt the one that that you pull what well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Crossroads of the World is one of LA's most interesting looking programmatic structures. It is. Uh, we'll get to who designed it and ha ha ha. Oh, I can't but wait. It's, it's also known. I see Wiener. I see Wiener, yeah. He's IM Pay's friend. We've brought up Crossroads before and then in different ways because a crime is linked to it. So I've brought it up as much as I could, but also we talked about Crossroads because of the designer, but. Back to malls. It's known as America's first outdoor shopping mall as advertised in the late 30s when it opened. Although several times I've also read that it was LA's first outdoor shopping mall. Mm -hmm. So I believe that it might be, I believe it's America's first outdoor shopping mall, but it might just be LA's. Uh, I want to I believe that it's America's first shopping mall. I want to believe that too. Because I can't, with you, with this one and with my next one, there comes a point where like, when does something cross over from just a street with a lot of stores to yeah. being an outdoor mall? Exactly, yeah. Cars can't go into it. <laughs> So you have to get out. Of your, you have to park your stupid little car, and you have to tuck your bags in the trunk, and make sure you got to put the boot on the yeah, car. Yeah, you got to put the boot on the car. The boot with the fur. You got to leave all the, the windows fur. boot yeah, with boot the. With fur. Um, yeah. you got to roll all the windows down. Be like, look, I have nothing to steal. Leave it. To tell the story, we'll go back to 1930. Leave the keys in the car. Leave the keys in the car. This car isn't even worth your time. That's how confident I am. I'm so confident. I'm low on gas. Even <laughs> like you'll make it a mile, and then what? What are you going to do? To tell the story, we'll go back to 1931, when what was to become the crossroads of the world was simply a strip of business offices. They didn't even look like a boat because in 1930s, they didn't, boats weren't even invented yet. <laughs> Christopher Columbus. People were still flying back then, <laughs> like with their hands. Yeah, with their hands. Flappy big chests. Yeah, flappy birds. Yeah. Christopher Columbus walked here. <laughs> and he's like, is this India? You're like, you're stupid. You're so you're so you're so stu stupid, Christopher stupid. Columbus. But you do walk on water, so so I gotta give you that. Someone who had an office at six six seven one Sunset Boulevard, or then was sixty six sixty five Sunset at the time, was an old character I'd like to bring up once again. We return to the old alley gangster, the Gray Wolf, Good Time Charlie Charles Crawford. Okay, I thought it was going to be a funny name. Uh, Gray Wolf is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. Hey, you know what? Colors are funny. 
Owner of the Maple Bar, also known as the Maple Cafe and Saloon, one of the many establishments that claimed to have the longest bar. Okay, here we go. And also claimed to have, it's one of those places that was like a gambling out back and brothel upstairs. Like, it's yeah. a it's a bar, wink. It's a prohibition mullet. Yeah, <laughs> It's like corruption. It's a vice mullet. (laughs) Through the 20s, Crawford is part of the City Hall gang, along with Mayor George Cryer and the man who actually called the shots, Kent Caton Parrot. The Grey Parrot. The Grey Parrot, yeah. Vice, uh, I bring this up all the time, but Vice was run through the corrupt City Hall, spreading organized crime throughout Los Angeles. But it came apart in 1929 when Cryer and Parrot had a falling out, and Crawford was indicted for conspiracy charges after trying to frame a council member, Carl Jacobson, who was trying to expose the City Hall gang's crimes. Crawford never served any time because the case was dropped, so it seemed like things were maybe slowing down for Crawford's operations. He was now writing the socially approved titles of politician and real estate manager, and he did own several properties, including the law offices or uh, the lot of murder, steal and and break. (laughs) Yeah, including the lot of office suites at 6665 Sunset, which he purchased in 1923. He purchased it from Amelia Jewett, which I read on J.H. Graham's has a really great blog, which I use for all kinds of things. But he really helped with understanding. uh, So this one's for you, J.H. Graham. J.H. Graham. Everyone go read his blog. It's really good. Soon after buying the property, Crawford had two story, eight family apartments built here designed by J. Leroy Moser. He also rented like Hudson built bungalows on the complex as well. The complex was called the Crawford Court. Okay. okay. Here's some more alliter- alliteration. The Crawford Crawford Crowleria. <laughs> From the October of 1923, when Crawford Court was new, I found a story when I searched the address in the LA Times historical newspaper database on from the library. An entry from 1923 popped up with the headline, Youthful Robber Subdued. Reminder of Dead Mother Stops Attack After Midnight Visitor Gets Small Change. Wait, what? Women's a- Woman's Appeal Melts Boy Burglar. Uh, I'll read you the story. I mean, I'll say summa- uh, summation. <laughs> no, read, read me every, every last detail. And play parts, do voices. <laughs> Basically, some punk beanie baby wearing a kimono around his body and a handkerchief over his chin snuck into the apartment at 6665 Sunset Boulevard after midnight to rob the place. He woke up Mrs. Bal Keller with, have you any money? And instead of screaming, she told him, you could take $3 and lose change and leave. She saw that- ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> this will make sense in 60 years. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Why? Which devil? Yeah. Is it Chernobog? Because if so, set me up. Was I supposed to? I met him on the crossroads. Was I supposed to dance? He did a deal. Oh, I knew I was supposed to dance. Darn. If I said his name three times, would he have given me a Zagnut? Oh, man. He turned into like a like a, a, a carousel. I don't I didn't. And I tried to write him and he got mad. I don't know. And then like a, a ripoff of Dune happened. <laughs> wacky Dune. So wacky Dune happened. So. You know, he, he goes in and he she tries to rob her, wakes her up to steal her money. She's like, I have like like quarters to take them. <laughs> she saw that he was so young and asked why he was robbing houses. He said he was hungry. The questions kept coming. He lost his cool and the two tussled. But she finally asked, what would your mother think if she knew you were doing things like this? And he said, my mother is dead. <laughs> And she reciprocated. <laughs> oh, Yikes. Oh, tough crowd. <laughs> um, my son is... No, she said... Um, <laughs> I thought my son was dead. <laughs> and she replied, well, my mom is also dead. Maybe even deader than yours. Um, <laughs> which is also... That's how Batman and Superman ends. Yeah. Your mom's dead? <laughs> my mom's... No, that's not... Um, after the mothers were brought into the mix... This could have been Batman, actually. It could have been. After they were talking about their dead mothers, he fell to the ground and started sobbing. My God. And basically he just baby. left. Baby. <laughs> he kind of was a baby. That's a weird story. It's a really weird story, but it happened at Crawford Court. 
Huh. Okay, back to Charles Crawford. The Julian Pete petroleum scandal we covered oh, in our right. Conman episode was sucking Crawford in as we would find out that he paid hush money to keep his crimes from being exposed. One of the parties who was getting his extortion money was a private secretary of the Julian Petroleum Company named Leotone Johnson. The other person pulling for Crawford's dough was Alley Examiner reporter named Morris Levine. These are two guys who are extorting money from known gangster and he was trying to pay them to shut them up. So these politicians were extorting money out of a gangster. Uh, gangster that wow the, the and he and the and four layers i mean we talk about a three-story target this is a three-story corrupt city so this was becoming known to the police and they were looking into it and crawford was trying to like shut up but like i don't know why he did just didn't kill them but maybe he wasn't like oh a wait sorry gangster. four stories of corruption i forgot about the police uh, The police was another one yeah <laughs> yeah maybe he wasn't like a kill him gangster so maybe like the idea of just oh, like well, shooting fine. them in the head was like not a, a, right. on the table we got to shoot him in the wallet it was looking like crawford was going to face another indictment but he wouldn't because on May 20th, 1931, while sitting in his business office in this four-room bungalow at 6665 Sunset Boulevard, Charles Crawford was shot. Oh, wow. While there, with happened re- there? While there, with reporter Herbert Spencer sitting in the conference room towards the back of the building, a man walked in and shot both of them. Oh my Spencer God. staggered out of the side door and landed on the sidewalk where he died. Crawford survived for a little longer, a couple hours, but succumbed to his wounds at the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital that evening. Telling the coppers there at his deathbed, he would never reveal the name of his shooter. Which is okay. It was the shooter who did that, though. The shooter, former district attorney David Clark, would later confess. I wonder what it's like to have someone die. Like the person you shot is going to be like, I'll never squeal no matter what. And then you're like, oh, but I will. I'm the one who did it. Like, I'll squeal on myself. Yeah, it's strange. He confessed, stating well, his murder. I mean, guilt does, you know. I've, I've read Edgar Allan Poe. I get it. Nevermore, the heart, uh, and the, the There must have whatever. been a crow problem in his, his study. Must have had one too many <laughs> ravens. Say you did it. Uh-huh. Say you did it. Go on. Go on. <laughs> go on. Go on now. Uh, 25 to life. <laughs> quote, and quote the raven. Quote the raven plea deal. <laughs> Clark would, would state that his murder was in self-defense as Crawford was planning on making a return to organized crime and was trying to involve Clark in a plot to frame the chief of police, Roy Steckel, who was a friend of Clark's. By the way, the raven wasn't the one who, that was the telltale heart. The heart is the one that tells you to confess. The raven just tells you that the love of your life is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, the raven is the one that the little boy who was right. dead. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So the heart's going. I'm mixing up my, my Poe motifs. Yeah. My Poteefs. My Poteefs. Yeah. But the heart's going boom, 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 boom. Bum, bum, well, bum. it's making the noise of law and order. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. And then the guy uh, screams out, produce my dick wolf. <laughs> <laughs> the gray wolf. Produce by the gray wolf. I did it. I did it. So David Clark was saying that it was self-defense when he killed these two men. He said that the two argue Crawford pulled a gun, but Clark outdrew him and mm. shot them in dead. The wives of the dead men both claimed their husbands were not armed that day, which I don't know. Others speculated that Clark killed Crawford because there was a compromising photos of him in Crawford's possession, but those rumors never went anywhere. Crawford was put on trial for Spencer's murder, but he was never tried for Crawford's murder. He was tried for Spencer's murder, which is very strange to me. Yeah. His widow... Uh, there was a second shooter who disappeared. These are separate incidences. <laughs> Coincidence. Um, yeah. Charles Crawford's widow, Ella Crawford, asked DA Byrne Fitz, who we know from all kinds of scandals. Yeah. She asked for him to not go to a retrial, hoping to spare her good husband's name, lest of all his shady dealings would be brought into light should they go for this retrial. So she's like, no, it's I'm dropping it. <laughs> it, it don't worry about it. He's dead. He's dead. 
Clark was eventually acquitted and a new era of political corruption was about to unfold as Frank Shaw was elected mayor in, 19, in June of 1933. So after his, set, his estate was settled, his widow, Alec Crawford, and their two daughters were given more than a million dollars in properties and personal belongings and with the girls having a trust fund established for them as well. After his death, Ella wanted to continue his real estate business. Interestingly, in February of that year, Charles Crawford was planning on building a six-story apartment complex for families with children at that site in, and that was like in the works at mm-hmm. the spot where his bungalow was on his big lot. So Ella has this property just off of Sunset, which was her husband's. Off Sunset near Highland in the middle of the 30s, the Great Depression, as poor people called it. And she had this property and a lot a lot where her dearly departed husband was gunned down not long ago. And she didn't really know what to do. This is like Yoko Ono. This is like Yoko Ono. You're right. She owned the Dakota. (laughs) She owned the rights to catch her in the rye. Oh no, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> Can't look at this anymore. <laughs> and she wanted to, with this property, as Evelyn DeWolf of the LA Times puts it, turn a new leaf and show her faith in the Hollywood's future. It's 1930. Movies have been around for a minute now. For seven years, yeah, seven, eight roughly, years. Yeah, seven, yeah. <laughs> we should probably talk about Edison and his move west. I'm kidding. Uh, so she wanted to take it this- It all starts with in the caves of Africa. <laughs> So Alec Crawford wanted to take this place of tragedy and make it beautiful. Flip that crime scene. Okay. Yeah. Turn that carpet over. (laughs) (laughs) It's still good on the other side. uh, Wash off evidence. (laughs) Dust those fingerprints. Crawford said, quote, it would be like taking a trip around the world. Visitors coming here to expect to see something beautiful and unusual, given the widespread publicity in some of our motion pictures. This is what was on her mind. Hollywood and the city. But what she was thinking of was a space to serve as a place of culture and business. What she envisioned was a complex pattern after the trade market in Jerusalem. What was created is perfect Los Angeles fantasy land, a sister to the Venice Canals, storybook houses, and every barrel-shaped bar in this town. So it was supposed to be literally the crossroads of the world where it would be like you're in every country. You're in like... You're on the Silk Road and like every culture is, is there representing selling their wares so this and stuff. Is, this is like the original Americaca. Yeah, I guess you're right. This is this is the first uh if somebody Americaca. can uh, say, it, say it. Americaca. Uh Crossroads of the World is both bright and shaded, a collection of architectural motifs collected from Neo Spanish, Neo Colonial, Neo Moorish, and Neo Modern. And Neo Patrick Harris. <laughs> and Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> So late in 1935, it was being said in the paper that Alec Crawford was going to build a structure at the 6600 block of Sunset Boulevard. In May of 1936, it was announced that work was starting on a $12,000 store. It ended up being $25,000 at the end of it. A store and office building at the address for Alec Crawford. And the architect would be Robert V. Dara. Do you remember what he built? Mm-mm. Something dumb. Robert V. Darrow, we talked about before, the streamlined programmatic architect and designer who would go on to a few years later design the Coca-Cola Cruise Liner in downtown uh, LA. We discussed okay. on our soda episode. Right. And we talked about in that episode, the two designs are very similar because they both got a an ocean liner. Right. I've read a few times, but I haven't been able to confirm that he also was the one of the original designers of the Fairfax Farmers Market, which is very similar to Cross. Well, not that similar. Yeah. Just like an open air sort of bizarre deal. Yeah. But there are a few buildings. I could see it. The Dupars looks like a boat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a tugboat, right? <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. And, that, and the little magic shop's like a canoe. I get it. <laughs> yeah. The hot sauce shop is the coal room. Yeah. 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 Where yeah, all yeah, the yeah. Irish people are. <laughs> and the, the they f- like it down there. <laughs> the French market is where all the rich people stay. <laughs> and the American girl stall, girl, the American girl 
doll, doll store, store is exactly where it would be uh, normally. Well, if there's ever a, you need to evacuate the Grove, American girl, American Girl Dolls first. American Girl Dolls Girl. Do- oh my God, that's really hard to say. It is American Girl Dolls first, and then all the other nationalities can go after. Please, we must evacuate women's department and American Girl Doll first. <laughs> now Canadian Girl Dolls. <laughs> Now Swedish girl dolls. <laughs> Most of the structures there were built for Crossroads New since the lot was demolished to make way for the mall. But the two-story Crawford Court structure was rebuilt and converted from residential to commercial. That's not where he was shot, though. Hmm. Some of the existing structures were moved to other parts of the city. The the little bungalow where he was shot is like now on Wilshire, I think, in like Culver City, which is strange. What? Yeah. One aspect of the outdoor bazaar they were planning would be that it would have a second floor to offer more available spaces for renters to sell items from. That was kind of a big deal, like a, a mall with two. It was the 30s. So like a right. second store to keep shopping was like that was right. a big deal. <laughs> I don't have to go drive four miles away to go get shoes. Yeah, but you got to go upstairs. Oh, oh, never mind. In this economy? Do you have one of those boxes with a string that pulls you up? It doesn't have a word yet because I haven't invented it yet. The lot itself was quite large, deceptively so. It's two and a half acres, uh, 100,000 square feet altogether. Dara would tackle the design of the shopping center with two themes in mind. Firstly, a ship. Clearly, the Coca-Cola plant was on his mind. But more accurately, the, like the romantic travel the themes SS of the- Coca-Cola. Which stands for sip slurp. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was thinking about ships, but like so was everybody because like <laughs> romantic travel themes was a big part of right. the 30s. Was the like, Queen large- Mary coming to town around then? I can't remember. Yeah. Or was uh, that later? She was built already, but she was she, about to. Ah, she was she built, was ah, built already, she was but built she was already. about to go. Not you know, not much longer. She would be active in duty. She would have to enlist. Right, so she was like shipping people around. Ship in people <laughs> around. She ah <laughs> ah her bosom. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the rump on that boat. Aye, matey. What I wouldn't give to sail the seven seas upon her. <laughs> oh no, it's uh, it's the queen's time of the month. I don't even know what that means. I just had to say it. My brain thought of it and it had to come out and I'm ashamed. And I don't like myself very much. I love to see her. I, I hate to, to see, see her, her dock, but I love to see her set sail. This is pervert Popeye who's attracted to boats. I thought it was Mr. Krabs. <laughs> Same laugh. Um, so two themes he wanted to tackle. One was travel and the ship was a big part of that. The other theme he wanted to tackle was a European village, compiling styles from Spanish, medieval English, Asian, it was called Oriental, French, and Cape Cod styles. Cape Cod. All the greatest countries. Yeah. (laughs) Maine. Um, The ship design would include decks and portholes and design as a nautical, streamlined, modern structure, which it it is, and it is beautifully. This is at the sunset entrance, and that side is topped with a crossroads most iconic piece. The 60-foot tower adorned with a lighted spinning globe with a neon yeah. sign that says Crossroads of the it's World. It's really cool. It's very beautiful, and it looks great at night. On the Selma side, that's the opposite end of the Crossroads, is a lighthouse, which is the Cape Cod Village. They recognize that's like, like you did. their Eiffel Tower at yeah. the Americana. <laughs> uh, Americana. Um, <laughs> like you pointed out, like Cape Cod's not a country. Whenever they talk about... Well, a few times, but in the video, in the California Gold as well, when they bring up the lighthouse, like, and then just like a lighthouse because we wanted one. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So that boats won't hit it. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the sunset high to hit, hit the Selma side, stupid. What are you, ugly? <laughs> you don't want the Coca-Cola building to come crashing <laughs> into here. And Pacific Auditorium is yeah. going. <laughs> Watch out. Watch out. So the European village is on the other side, on the Selma side. 
I didn't realize it. I, I honestly it's, thought it was just like six stores around that globe. It's so big. On the other side are various structures suggestive of the Moors, the Turks, the Spanish, with hand-painted tiles, minarets, balconies, and wood carvings. I call it Pinocchio Town because it looks like number one. <laughs> Originally, some structures were designed with bay windows to show off merchandise and appeal to the passerby, but there's actually a lot of really interesting window designs. There's some that are shaped like hearts, some like spider webs, some the ship has portholes. I haven't been there since I was real young, but I watched Hill Hauser go there in 2011 for an episode, and I, I was astonished to see in the middle splitting crossroads in half is a huge parking lot what there's a parking there's lot a parking there? lot that separates the two sides of crossroads of the world which is i'm that, like that's like the dmz yeah it's like it's it's like the dmz and um yep <laughs> i was hoping that switching sides of my seat i would come up with a good riff on that but i really don't uh, the sunset side is a little more streamlined modern even if it has like elements of the european continental thing they're going for the other side is the, the whole Pinocchio village. I think Crawford even envisioned a theater in the space where the parking lot ended up, but a parking lot ended up there instead. But it's a big parking lot. It's not like eight spaces. It's like... It, I gotta see. I can't even picture this. It's it's crazy. A side note, Hugh Hauser says things like he's never heard of it before. Like, <laughs> Spanish? Mediterranean? It's so freaking funny. Cape Cod? <laughs> wow. Now you're saying there's a Cape Cod. Cod. I've eaten a cod. I've worn a cape. <laughs> now go ahead with his huge muscles. Yeah, I know. Huge muscles. Luis, <laughs> get over here. He talks like he should be wearing overalls at all times. And then he like holds a microphone up to someone's yeah, face. And and it, like, oh my God, he's ripped. He's like a Marine. Uh, that's not a microphone. He's like, he's shaped like Captain America. That's his knuckle. <laughs> he is. I mean, it, it's weird to see how jacked Hugh Hauser was yeah. because he was like a Marine or something. Yeah, he, I think he was a Marine, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and this is a pull up. Do they have pull downs? <laughs> so you call this place Fallujah? <laughs> wow. Sure is hot. And you cooked an egg on the hood of your car. <laughs> wow. Well, a car. Um, what I learned from California's gold is there are nine separate structures representing nine countries from all over mm. the world. There's English, French, Spanish, Swedish, Algerian, Turkish, Italian, Persian, Mexican, and the Netherlands. What's that? Dutch? Dutch. Thank yes. you, Dutch. I just have Netherlands and question yeah, mark. We went Dutch on that answer, on, on, that, <laughs> on figuring out what that word was. So they have a continental village, and as Hill puts it, this is the ship that took you around the world. So the ship, beautiful, wonderful guy. And I make, I sound like I'm making fun of him. I love him with all my heart. You can't, if you love him, you have to make fun of him. You have to, he would, he would like it <laughs> because he can take it with those muscles. <laughs> <laughs> he could hit you in the solar plexus and you would die. And it's okay. You'd fall like Houdini. <laughs> Don't punch me in my California factoids when I'm not ready for it. <laughs> so Crossroads opened in October, 1936 with some kind of grand opening. Four actresses from Universal were there to help fanfare and hosting duties. Marjorie Gage, I never heard of Emily Lane. I've never heard of <laughs> Mary Alice Rice and Polly Rolls were on the deck of the ship welcoming people. Oh. Well, good for them. And they're, I bet they're great actresses. And I'm sure I can't I, believe they got Polly Rolls. Uh, don't make fun. She's great. Okay. Oh, that's, it's a she. I was thinking it was like Polly Walnuts. Oh, I, like Polly Shore. <laughs> it's, it's, it's these three like silver screen goddesses. Yeah. And then a guy with like bleached white 
temples and a track suit on. And a track suit, chewing tobacco on one side of his mouth, eating almonds with the other side. <laughs> Councils from all represented nations appeared as honored guests as well as civic officials. There was an unnamed MC for the evening along with musicians and dancers from other cultures and countries to help make the premiere feel more international. And the whole time they were just trying to go like, this is a place of culture, but you could also buy like a necklace here. Okay. Was it like the, was it like world market where it was like, this is from this place? Or was it just like, this place looks like you're shopping in a mosque and they're just selling like yeah. cowboy hats? Yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. Almost <laughs> specifically. Uh, kind of strange. Crawford was very selective about those she chose to sell their wares at the crossroads of the world. Like, y- you couldn't have an Auntie An- Anne's there. Um, <laughs> you had to like, you know, pass the muster with this lady. But like, it's still like, yeah, Which you're you right. you could do at Auntie Anne's. You could. In reading but you about, don't want to. But no, you would. Oh, let's not put down Auntie Anne's, okay? Reading about the types of stores, there was like a sense of elegance. Hadley Mayers, writing for PBS, listed some of those stores from the late 30s. Included Ann Herbert's hand-dipped chocolate, Dulane yeah. Bennett's exclusive fashions and fabrics, mm-hmm. Marcy de Perry's perfumes and powders, Mildred Asher, who specialized in peasant houses, gardens, and provincial feeling uh, design, McDonald Mayers, importers of Shanghai Oriental Arts, and more eclectic tenants like Burr McIntosh's The Cheerful Philosopher, the puppeter Everett Burgess, and community theater pioneer Neely Dixon. All like... And Cape Cod Charlie's Fisherman's Friends Yeah, store. exactly. Uh, this all sounds like Simpsons characters. <laughs> Many artists established studios in smaller spaces, including the influential ceramic artist Beto. The Subdebs hosted fundraising art fairs in the quaint streets. Sigma Kappas gathered at the restaurant La Merienda. And several charities established their headquarters there. So this is, like I was saying, like a place of elegance. Like, it looks beautiful, and there's just, like, nice stuff to buy. Like, it, like it's a place that you're probably going to talk about next. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, there, wait, there, wait. There's a sense of, like, oh, well, we're going to go over to Crossroads right. and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> the Continental Cafe and Lounge set up inside the cruise ship with seating on the, the outdoor upper deck, which sounds really cool. There was women's fashion stores, lingerie stores, men's hats, men's handkerchiefs, guys' barbershop, a Mexican tea room. A Mexican tea room? Mexican tea room. What's a Mexican tea room? room i don't it, it is this some sort of like a western standoff sort of thing yeah 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 yeah. yeah. And i got into a mexican tea room. it's three people holding tea up to the next person <laughs> it's the spider-man meme but they're holding tea. they're holding tea and they're, it, it's very elegant <laughs> a swedish eatery called a bit of sweden served at the crossroads a smorgasbord through the years the offices and studios have had many famous tenants in the 30s, you would catch all kinds of famous alcoholics here. W.C. Fields mm. had shopped there. F. Scott Fitzgerald worked mm-hmm. there. Humorous Robert Benchley, who we talked uh-huh. about when we were talking about the Garden of Allah, right. did some work here. <laughs> Either working or making their livers work. In the 50s, Crossroads was a huge workplace of the incredibly talented sex pest Alfred Hitchcock, who was working at offices there at Crossroads. Huh, that's weird. No, it actually kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> well, I thought his office was like... Uh, they showed me on the tram tour at Universal. It was at Universal. It, he does it out of the Bates Hotel. Yeah, yeah, that's there. him in the window. That's, that's him in, in the, the window. <laughs> <laughs> that's him at the spotlight. Looking in the shower. <laughs> Throwing birds at <and> Tippy <laughs> Hedren. One, two. In the 1940s and 50s, Crossroads began its transition from shopping center to office complex, mm. housing such tenants as the Screen Actors Guild, Standard Oil, and American Airlines. Shortly after opening, Crawford left the Crossroads behind her and continued on the real estate business, finally passing away in 1953. 
And because famed recording engineer Wally Heater ran a mobile recording lab out of the space at Crossroads, some of the biggest names in music came through. Hmm. This is 60s through 70s. Like Lou Rawls was there. Hmm. Jackson Brown recorded there. Warren Zevon, Aretha Franklin, Bonnie Ray, Graham Nash. My favorite hippie law firm, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, <laughs> recorded an album at Crossroads. And everyone's like, it's one of their most influential albums. And I can't find out what album was. <laughs> Nobody wants to list it. But like almost- it Revolver. <laughs> They, they recorded their most influential album, The Strokes. <laughs> Is this it? Um, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's best work. Well, like most things cute and kitsch and fantasy-like, by the mid-70s, everyone in LA hated it. And it fell into disrepair as it fell out of style. You can't do coke on here. <laughs> this is, what's this have to do with Vietnam? There's boys dying over there. <laughs> yeah, where's the Vietnam building? <laughs> it was on the auction block primed for destruction in 1974. They, they wanted to put a high-rise there when developer Morton looked. They paved the entire world and put up a high-rise. Wow. 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 What is this, Judge Dredd? Um... Uh, developer Morton LaCretz <laughs> bought it in 1977 and preserved it, saved it from the auction block and mm. preserved it. He spent most of his years breathing life back into Crossroads, restoring as much of the wear and tear as he could, even like uncovering painted over decorative tiles that uncultured idiots painted it over, which is crazy to me. He added fountains and landscapes. Crossroads was added to the National Register of Historic Places oh, in wow. 1980. And there just have been like interesting people through the years, fashion designer, Louise Archer's showroom was there. The Hollywood Arts Council, run by Oscar and Nyla Arlassian, was there. Interlock Studios, which was like a soundstage in the Moore structure, they occupied space there. I know that there's definitely still stuff there. Like the, I think yeah. there's like a film preservation company yeah. that, that's in there. Geffen Films, who released Beetlejuice, you're the, the other great law firm, Beetlejuice, 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 operates out of Crossroads, <laughs> as does the American Film Magazine. I still I think they still do. Tashin Books puts out, you know, those excellent coffee table books like the Dark City, the real Los Angeles Noir, which is if you want to buy it for me, you know, you, you can, that's a great present to give somebody who loves true crime. <laughs> Name Greg. Yeah, name Greg. Yeah, Tashin runs out of Crossroads. Huh. Different movies have been filmed there. Uh, Alley Confidential was filmed mm-hmm. there. Never Dragnet's TV show and a bunch of other stuff I don't like. Uh, yeah, I see it pop up in a lot of things. Yeah, it pops and, up. And it's somewhere. exciting. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Mank? Didn't they film Mank there? I, I feel like it was in Mank. I don't know if it was in Mank. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of Spank. You might it's be thinking the of erotic version of Mank. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as long. Oh, yeah, it is. It, and it also has to do with... It's almost as hard, too. It also has to do with understanding uh, politics and movies <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> Disney's MGM Studios theme park in Orlando replicated a Crossroads Tower for their own park over there. Okay. I think we have that. Is we have that here, too? No, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of... They have uh, a tall yeah. structure there, but it All might be... All I know be... is Whoopi Goldberg narrating my flight across California. <laughs> In January 2019, LA City Council approved a project to revamp the Crossroads of the world in a move to revitalize the district. So we're hoping Crossroads might get some love in form of money and space will be part. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff has had a resurgence in the last 10 years. A lot of stuff has been destroyed wholesale <laughs> and we thought that reputation could save it and it couldn't. And Mr. Tempo will take over to pig and whistle and we have to look <laughs> at that all the time. It seems like there's also in the works, it may be in the works, it's kind of in the air that it, like they might incorporate low-income high-rise into hmm. the structure at Crossroads. That'd be interesting. Which I'm not against affordable housing. I'm not... Oh, yeah. Famously, you are, right? Against affordable housing near my, me where I live. Not in your backyard. You've always said this I always say that. And uh, I'm so proud of my backyard, which... Which is the whole city. The whole city, yeah. <laughs> I, I like affordable housing. I like it. I'm okay with it being in my area. But I don't like the idea of reworking historic Los Angeles around yeah. something like that. It can be done. It, like if you don't if like it's, completely, you know, it's like, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a similar thing, but I know that there are places where it's like, 
this building here is from the 1800s and this around it is an 800 story yeah. housing complex but like you can still visit the, the- yeah there's a, i know there's a way to do it with class and thought maybe I if just you don't- put mr tempo's yeah his mascot mr tempo himself on the side of it yeah 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 you put mr tempo or what over took over meltdown was it going to take over pacific dining car which is going to be like a taco bell <laughs> like Te- a it's all taco mr bell. tempo uh it's all mr tempo you're right if there's class and thought behind it i think it can work out but i feel like lately there's been very little <laughs> both those things but greg you've seen mr tempo right it's mr tempo <laughs> oh excuse me you went to pig and whistle all the time um i, I love especially their back room <laughs> Um, well, you can run into any one of the actors from Silicon Valley. <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick. Yeah. Uh, so that's Crestwood of the World. Yeah, I, I, w- I would that because it's kind of near where Amoeba used to be, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that would have been a great thing if that was a functional and Amoeba was still there and the arc light was still yeah. there. Unfortunately, all these things are gone. All these things area, are gone. The Egyptian is uh, a weird mutant thing. Well, we'll see in a, in two the weeks. The Egyptian is rising like a mummy in two weeks, but <laughs> but it's not like it was before. <laughs> but it, that would have been. I I hope something is done with it because I'd like so. to go there. Yeah, I'd like to go there too. And I, I could see it being really nice if there, there, there's a very simple way to make that work. And I feel like they're going to ruin it. <laughs> the city has not been it's simple. Smart. So they have to screw it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with Mr. Tempo in charge. So let's move on to my final one. And okay. this is one that stretches the definition of a mall. But by all accounts, this is definitely a mall. Okay. This is another place where when my mom was working in that area, I would leave and just walk around. And it's scary because when she was working at this place, I was maybe like nine or 10. Yeah. And you would come home with like brand new Dolce & Gabbana suit. <laughs> Mama, I put it on your charge card. No. <laughs> I remembered your the three numbers on the back of the card and then let me walk away with it. <laughs> they never question a nine-year-old boy. But it's actually, I'm the kid from The Orphan and I'm 41 and I want to kill somebody. <laughs> spoiler. Spo- oh, no. So, spoiler for The Orphan. I was about <laughs> to tell everyone how The Orphan ends. Okay. So let's get to our final mall. Rodeo. Oh, Rodeo. Wherefore mm. art thou, Rodeo? God. Oh, Randy, little girl. I'll tell you wherefore. But for this, we have to dig deep back into that familiar old setting. Fade in on a sleepy Pueblo town. Oh my God. 10 years in, we're still fading in on a sleepy Pueblo <laughs> town. And then a little earlier than that. So way back in the Keech days, the area around what is now La Cienega Park was an important and maybe holy site because it was a source of water and also food. So this was an important... How big was their apple store? <laughs> it was just a tree. Yeah, there wasn't so much of a store. I mean, you could just take you apples. You could just take it, yeah. The commerce wasn't big. It's just like, don't, so, don't like waste them. I mean, you had to wait at the Genius Bar for a while, <laughs> but you could get an apple eventually. <laughs> My apple has a worm in it, and you'd have to wait for like six hours for them to try to fix it. I think I got them out. Oh, no, I split them in two, and that's two worms. And then the Gaspar de Portola hit. He and the Spanish came by on August 13th, 1769, and the best Man, name bro. that he could translate what the Keech called this area, which in their language meant the gathering of the waters, because that's where they would gather their water. Oh, right. In Spanish, they translated to El Rodeo de las Aguas. Oh, wow. And then came all the rest of the Spanish who were then pushed out by the Mexicans. Insert your own images of tragedy and injustice for mm-hmm. all of this. And then we come to the year 1838. 
This was when the Mexican government gave this swath of land that covered pretty much Beverly Hills and West Hollywood to a widow named Doña Maria Rita Valdez de Villa, who mostly kept the Spanish name of the area and called her land Rancho Rodeo de las Aguas. Okay. In 1854, she had had enough of the place, so she sold it to two Americans named Henry Hancock, father of the guy who Hancock Park is named Ah. after, and Benjamin D. Wilson, father of the volleyball from Castaway. (laughs) A nepo baby, if I've ever a, a nepo bolly, if I've ever seen one. When you sleep with a bocce ball, your son becomes out as a volleyball. Sleep with a bocce ball is also a threat in in Sicily. <laughs> He's sleeping with the bocce balls. <laughs> so the price for all of Beverly Hills and West Hollywood, four thousand dollars. Wow, that's how much these. We guys checked got inflation. It, it was actually it it only cost two thousand yeah, dollars. It was then. She, it, they it was paid cheaper. She paid them to take it. So they sold it in 1868 to an Edward Proust who planned to turn the entire area into a German colony named Santa Maria. Mm, what year was this? 1868. Mm. They were still bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's never quite been. I mean, now is like the best they've ever yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. And that's not that much. So that never quite materialized. So to make money, he turned the land into the closest thing you can get to a colony of Germans, a field of lima beans. Uh So all of this was lima beans. Then he got sick of the land. So in 1882, he sold it to two guys named Henry Hamill and Charles Danker, who I think we've talked about Charles Danker before. It sounds familiar. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe it was just some dank memes we were talking about. Were we talking about dank memes? <laughs> I feel like we're mostly talking about dank memes now. Yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, the, the Spider-Man one, the yeah. one where the kid's crying. All of them. Yeah, the, the Patton Oswalt yeah. fist guy. Yeah, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good meme. That, no, that was a dank meme. We peaked. Sorry. Yeah, it was a, uh, the, the dank levels were off the charts. <laughs> this one is positively dank. <laughs> So these guys intended to turn this area into a planned neighborhood with a North African theme called Morocco. Okay. This was going to be called Morocco. And it was, it was kind of, it sounds like it was kind of going to be like what uh, they tried to build in Woodland Hills where it was like minarets and things like that. Oh, right. Yeah. It was kind of like the German colony, but you can bet no actual Moroccans would have been allowed in there. And then (laughs) the economic collapse of 1888 hit, which was a thing. And then... The less Great Depression hit. <laughs> it was just depression. It, the it was depression, just the depression. And then we yeah. had the Great Depression. This is way worse than the last one. So all these plans were put on hold, and suddenly, instead of being Moroccan, new buy-ins for the land were a knock-in. Around 1900, the land was bought by Burton E. Green and some investors who intended to drill it to hell for oil. Okay. There wasn't much, so now they decided to turn it into a non-themed neighborhood. And for a name, in 1906, he and his wife decided to name it after a place in Massachusetts that they liked, Beverly Farms. So now, in 1906, this land was known as Beverly Hills. Okay. And what does Jed get there? Well, I don't want to skip ahead. I, I I mean, I'm not, this isn't the history of Beverly Hills. So when we really dig into the hardcore history of Beverly Hills, yeah. we will get into the Clampett legacy. The- <laughs> Jed, Jethro, Jethro, grandma. grandma, I forgot what, and the rest, and the, the professor, rest. professor Clampett. Oh my God. What's her name? Not Luann. Peggy Sue. What is, excuse me for a moment. I must look this up. This is my this is your Chernobog. Yeah. Just feel free to scream out the name of any Clampet when the time comes. So Beverly Hills was now owned by the Rodeo Land and Water Company, still honoring that Spanish translation of the original name. Honor is a strong word for what they did to the place. <laughs> Honor meaning we ran out of names. Did you find her name? Did you find a- our Clampet? Alame Clampet. 
That's our clampet. <laughs> so a town started to form and their sort of coming out party happened in 1912 with the opening of the Beverly Hills Hotel, which is crazy that that yeah. place is over 100 years wow. old. The Beverly Hills Hotel provided horse trails for people to... This is crazy <laughs> that the Beverly Hills Hotel was providing horse trails. Oh like they God, made yeah. bridle paths for people to be able to ride their horses easily from the hotel to Santa Monica oh Boulevard and Wilshire Boulevard. God. One of these... Like a valet. What, one of these dusty little horse trails along a sleepy little road that was named, again in honor of the area's heritage, Rodeo Drive. Okay. After the original ran Rodeo de las Aguas. Right. So that's, and that's where why Rodeo. it's pronounced. That's why it's pronounced Rodeo. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. It still maintains that Spanish flair, even though it's the same word that we say in English. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've only seen one episode of douchey actor show entourage entourage there's i only you could seen, have stopped at douchey yeah and i would have known what you're talking about there's only one episode i saw but they have to get money from somebody in like south la and the lady calls it like yeah well that's why you're down here on rodeo drive he's like i thought it was rodeo it's like below pico it's rodeo and above pico it's rodeo what did turtle have to say about that he like he made a face. He went turtle, turtle. He went turtle, Oh, wait, turtle. I'm thinking of... Uh... I think you're thinking of Master of Disguises. <laughs> Same show. So in 1914, there were 88 people living in Beverly Hills. And Rodeo, <laughs> Rodeo Drive was just a street. Like there was yeah. a gas station. There was like a hardware store. Like it was just a street. Yeah, it's like, it sounds like the, like those little areas when you go up like Laurel Canyon or any of those canyons and you're yeah. like a three, like a, like a, a cafe and a, a single st- yeah. stop. And there's still a, a place that's hit your horse. Yeah, yeah. There were houses on it. And even up until the 50s, people would just ride their horses. The 1950s, wow. people were riding horses down Rodeo that's Drive. crazy. But the 30s was when it started to take on more of a Hollywood flair. When in 1931, the Brown Derby opened at Rodeo and Wilshire and drew in a ton of celebrities. Mm-hmm. And remember the whole Mary Pickford, yes. Pickfair thing. Pickfair thing was they were Beverly the Hills. first like celebrities to come in Beverly Hills. So right. it started becoming like, okay, this is where rich people can get away from disease downtown. <laughs> right. <laughs> so suddenly other people wanted to capitalize on the celebrities coming to the area. And soon after a place called Mama Vice's Hungarian restaurant opened up at 326 Rodeo, seemingly for their biggest fan, Bella Lugosi, the only <laughs> Hungarian man in Los <laughs> Angeles. So this place eventually became Romanoff's. Oh, wow. Really? That was the Romanoff's building. So okay. then in 19, also kind of a Hungarian thing. Then in 1936, kind of. <laughs> eh, Soviet Empire. Yeah. Whatever, whatever lie he wanted to tell you. <laughs> Depending on the day. Yeah. Depending on what meat was going bad that day. So then in 1936, a tiki bar opened called the Tropics at 421 Rodeo, complete with an indoor lagoon. Wow. Eventually, Lana Turner bought this place and her daughter who killed Johnny Stampinato was the hostess. Whoa, at, at this tiki really? Bar. <laughs> oh, that's everything I like. Being seated by a murderer yeah. uh, in the uh, of such a good man, that poor man, that poor man. What did he ever do? Oh, right, everything. <laughs> Who did he hurt? Good boy. In the early forties, came actual stores like Uncle Bernie's Toy Menagerie at three one five Rodeo, which had both a lemonade tree and a lollipop tree. Whoa. Not to mention the student debt relief. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. am I gonna do? The Senate, right? I hope a comment hits Speaker of the house. <laughs> but the first fashion store came in 1952 when a publicist for Warner Brothers who had been laid off moved his Carol and Company store to Rodeo and Little Santa Monica. Okay. He opened this men's suit store 
with the intention of catering to the West Side Hollywood crowd who normally would have had to go all the way downtown to get a suit made. Right. This led to him gathering clients like Gene Kelly, Jack Lemmon, Billy Wilder. So now with this street gaining a celebrity reputation between these restaurants and now this store, even more stores started catering to celebrities, Mm -hmm. opening like the Anderson Court shops opened in 1952 at 332 Rodeo, which is kind of like a little mall within this, what is an outdoor mall. Yeah. And that was actually the last building Frank Lloyd Wright ever designed in Los Angeles. Wow, the really? Anderson Court Shops. Oh, wow. So Rodeo Drive at this point definitely had a reputation, but it wasn't what we know it as today just yet. So like I said, people were still riding horses down the street in the 50s. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about Mickey Rooney. <laughs> The obscene flaunting of having too much money that we know it as today started in 1961 with a guy named Fred Heyman. Okay. Hale Heyman. Hale Heyman. The father of Rodeo Drive, as he's known, was born in 1925 in Gaul, Switzerland, and he had the name of his hometown to move to New York City <laughs> in 1941. Uh, interesting for a Swiss person to leave Europe in 1941. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he became a chef in okay. New York City. He New got York a, City. In, in New York City. A chef in New York City. He got a job as an apprentice cook at the Waldorf Astoria and worked his way up the ladder, the food ladder, to the point that eventually he was shipped out west to work at the newly opened Beverly Hilton as the catering manager. Okay. Eventually, Heyman got fired by his friend Conrad Hilton and then went on to being the general manager of the Ambassador Hotel until he quit that and then ran three different restaurants, all of which failed. So now, Heyman decided to start a new type of business. In 1961, there were plenty of stores on Rodeo Drive and they catered to celebrities. So obviously they were high end, but Heyman's intention was to make a bona fide luxury boutique. Like he would combine the celebrity clientele already coming to Rodeo Drive Mm -hmm. with his decades of experience in high end hospitality. Wow. Okay. In in that industry. So he opened a clothing store called Giorgio Beverly Hills (laughs) at 295 Rodeo. You, You should. I mean, you don't shop at Giorgio? Uh, uh, are what, you not wearing a Giorgio uh-huh. right now? What TV show have I heard this uh, name? Probably, uh, probably a lot. You've also seen it in a very famous movie. Okay. So this and I. Oh, I know the movie. Forty eight hours. Is it forty eight hours? No, it's not forty eight oh, hours. God damn it! So this place sold expensive ass clothes, of course, but it also made a meal out of the luxury shopping experience. Okay. They would serve you drinks and crystal glasses oh while you shopped. God. There was a pool table for the men to wait for women be shopping. Yeah. <laughs> or if you didn't want to come in, they could deliver stuff to your house in a Rolls Royce. Wow. I read this in only one place and could not prove it was true, but I can't not say it. Supposedly, Lucille Ball had a pet monkey that she would bring to Giorgio. <laughs> Like none of that sounds equally of the things we've heard about happening to Lucille Ball. It sounds like it could or could never have happened. It sounds completely, it sounds like it would happen to Lucy Ricardo more than it would to (laughs) Lucille Ball. At a certain point, where does, can I speak to Lucille Ball? No. Tilly? She is in too deep. She She went mad like Heath Ledger. (laughs) She had to get in that band. She had to smuggle that cheese back to America. <laughs> oh, why did she have to smuggle that cheese? Could she just eat it all right away? <laughs> so they closed in 1998, but Julia Roberts goes here in Pretty Woman. That's what, That's what is, you yeah. probably know from. They also started selling a Giorgio Beverly Hills fragrance in, ni- fragrance in 1980. <laughs> you wear to your marriage. <laughs> in 1981, that's still for sale. That must be what you know. You wear Giorgio yeah, Beverly would, yeah. Hills, right? I mean... I don't want to. No, actually, I wear Mervyn's Galleria. <laughs> <laughs> I wear America Caca. <laughs> What's that smell? It smells like 
popcorn in a Target mixed with cinnamon from Auntie Anne's. It smells like a spilled icy. <laughs> it smells like a sticky hush puppy. <laughs> Uh, slush puppy, sorry. Slush puppy, thank you. Um, thank you. So this, it's it smells like Panda Express. <laughs> Ooh, get, are you wearing Galleria? <laughs> so this set the template for a new level of luxury on Rodeo Drive, and others started to follow. And during the '60s, this kind of seemed to be the real glory days of Rodeo Drive because it became all expensive stores. But they were all independent boutique stores. It was as expensive as it is today, but at least everything was unique. Like every single right. place. It wasn't just like... Or franchises. It wasn't a Chanel, brands, whatever. Yeah. It was like unique pieces that you could only get there. Yeah. And then 1968 was when the first of the international stores started testing the waters when the Gucci store opened. I'm seeing the montage in the 60s movies of people shopping in like nice areas with designer clothes and the, there's always like a sort of like the background music like da 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 yeah anyways go ahead 1968 Gucci 1969 oh, Gucci <laughs> Gucci I love Gucci. Yeah. I love Gucci Gucci o ball <laughs> and then in Gucci on Pavarotti uh <laughs> Linus and Gucci. So in 1968, <laughs> then came Van... I, a lot of these stores I don't really know how to pronounce because why would I? Van yeah. Cleef and Arpels. Okay. Then in 1970, Vidal Sassoon. Who the hell? He opened a, sal- a saloon, a salon there. <laughs> <laughs> he also made a saloon there. He also had dessert in the desert, I think. <laughs> in the beginning, these European companies weren't sure about the viability of Rodeo Drive and they thought it was just like a passing scene. So these were all the like Gucci, Van Cle- like all these European stores were actually franchise locations owned by local people. So they still had kind of a uniqueness. And then Rodeo Drive became what it is now. And the global companies all eventually took over the entire area and kicked out every single local Jeez. store. But that's now. Back in the 1970s, in 1971, the world's first polo store opened on Rodeo Drive. Polo shirt store? Polo sh- Ralph okay. Lo- is it Ralph Lauren or Ralph Lauren? Is he American? Because if he's American, I'm saying Ralph Lauren. Again, I wear scent of slush puppy. What do I know? And also like I'm reading the words. I don't hear the words. I'm reading the label. I'm not saying the label because that is gauche. Um, (laughs) I don't want people knowing what I wear. Yeah. I don't want people knowing to where I wear gooby. <laughs> so this was the same year that the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. That's oh, the one wow. that it already existed. But in 1971, it expanded and it started drawing in more international guests. And that really accelerated the yeah. takeover of the international stores. Wow. In 1972, Heyman started the Rodeo, which, by the way, Heyman is the name of the villain from Purim, the Jewish holiday of Purim. He's the king that tries to kill them That's all. That's good to know. Thank you. Uh, so he. So whenever I say Heyman in this episode, yeah. make sure to twirl your groggers. <laughs> so Heyman started the Rodeo Drive Committee to actively shape Rodeo Drive into a street of extravagant upscale excess and brought in stores like Prada, Versace, and Fendi. Again, am I pronouncing some of these right? I mm-hmm. don't know. To me, this looks like Target, Gap, <laughs> uh, Express, Oshkosh, Oshkosh, <laughs> Jordache. Uh, in, ni- in 1976, B. Bijan opened, which is purportedly the most expensive boutique in the world. Really? It's owned by Bijan Paksad, and you can only get in by appointment, but you can usually see one of his cars parked out front, one of which is worth $2 million. Filling up the gas tank? hundred thousand yeah. dollars you have to fill it up with liquid diamonds <laughs> that's the only way it'll drive 
1977, stores started offering valet parking, and that's also the year when the marketing campaign started actively promoting Rodeo Drive as not just luxury shopping, but the shopping center of the rich and the famous. So that's when it was like... It fused together. It, it all came to... I love yeah. it when it comes together. And from then through the 80s, things got absolutely outrageous. Yeah. People were going shopping here, not just one limo, but two limos. Oh one for them, one for the clothes that they would oh buy. Oh my God, I hate... Ex- the, the, the excess of the 80s is embarrassing. <laughs> but greed is good. <laughs> Greg... Didn't you watch the movie with the guy? With the gecko? With the, the gecko progressive guy. gecko gecko? With the, the progressive gecko gecko. Starring the State not, Farm progressive gecko gecko. not one... Uh-oh, Daryl just Greg fell. just spit into his platoon. Spittoon. Um, Spittoon. The Gordon Gecko movie starring not one, but two Nepo babies. <laughs> so Coochie had a private second story exclusively for their elite customers who were given a special key to get in. Oh my God. By 1980, Rodeo Drive accounted for 25% of all the sales tax collected in Beverly Hills. Wow. In 1983, the Rodeo Collection opened, which was the little mall, again, the little mall within the greater mall, which sure. is where they filmed Body Double. And there, oh, yeah. at this point, there were now 45 different stores on Rodeo Drive. In 1988, Heyman, Grogger, Heyman's <laughs> success as the king of luxury was so well known that he was hired as fashion coordinator for the Oscars. Wow. In 1989, two Rodeo Drive opened, which is, uh, that's when they got rid of Purgatory. <laughs> uh, that's that European street, you know? Oh, I do. End. That's the one that I do walk through, yeah. I really like that street. Yeah. That, I just love Tiffany. I can't resist. Whenever I, I pass by Tiffany, I got to get a necklace. I got to get something. Yeah. A ribbon or a bag. Uh, or like a stern warning from the security <laughs> guard. So that has even more stores in it. So yeah. then the 90s were pretty much more the same, but people were listening to Blind Melon. Yeah. Uh, in 2003, they began an $18 million beautification, which is when they apparently first put palm trees, which is weird that they... Yeah didn't come till 2003 and they also widened the roads okay yeah they did in 2004 they started the rodeo walk of style that has things in the sidewalk for fashion icons in 2012 the 99 cent store was threatening to open up a location there Imagine. which is very funny yeah uh, threatening it's, it's 99 dollars per <laughs> item in there though uh you want this expired toothpaste from ukraine 99 dollars <laughs> So nowadays, there's over a hundred stores, most of which are, like I said, these international luxury chains like Versace, Dior, Chanel, Hugo Boss, the Nazi, Dolce & Gabbana, maybe Nazis, Louis Vuitton. So it's still expensive as hell, yes, yeah. but the unique soul of it left decades yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rodeo Drive, as we talk about it, stretches from Wilshire to Santa Monica, but the essence of Rodeo Drive expanded out into the next few streets in either direction also. Yeah. As of 2021, rent in this area was $70 per square foot, making mm. it one of the most expensive God. streets in America. But if $70 a month for one square foot, when can I move in? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much stuff. I just need to lay down. I, all I, need to, I don't even need to lay down. I just need a place to hang my head at the end of the day. <laughs> and I need to surround by some of my favorite stores. <laughs> Dolce & Gabbana, the 99 cent store. Uh, Nate Nails. Yeah, so that's that's where they I mean, so it really, it, it is just an outdoor mall. Like, yeah. it's it's just stores and restaurants. It's, it's, it's pretty much just like a strip. Yeah, it is. And it's, I like, road. I mean, I have never, and no. nor I will ever buy anything on Rodeo Drive, but going there, it's, it's kind of like Hollywood and Highland. Yeah. Highland. Highland. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood and Highlander. It's, there can be only one intersection. Um, there's two things. If you say Beverly Hills to me, there's Ninja and Cop. Ninja and Cop. Right. You're driving down Santa Monica and there's like the the long sidewalks and they have like a Beverly Hills sign with the park bench right, and right, the, right, right. the flowy sidewalk. Yeah. That and then Rodeo Drive is the other thing. Yeah, like Rodeo Drive. Rodeo Drive. <laughs> uh, when you say Beverly Hills, that's what pops up to it's me. It's fun to go there. 
It's fun to pass through. I've never stopped. Nah, you used to share your life. Yeah, you used to be a 10 year old walking to rodeo drive. You used to be a crazy. With a Walkman listening to God knows what. <laughs> Playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, no, I, I, I do like walking around Rodeo Drive. I do not feel comfortable going in any of the stores, but I like to look through the windows. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if after Pretty Woman, yeah, all the they, owners of the stores were you like, You better treat me nice. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you better start treating the customers nice. Or if they were like, Yeah, do that more. You never know when some whore is going to come back with a lot of money. And that's when I walk in. Oh, Hi. Yeah. Hello. I've got $4 and I'd like to buy a new shoe. Going into every uh, store. Do you have a public bathroom? Wow. No, yeah, it's 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 really a novelty. Like yeah. I I understand why tourists go there because yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it is like going to Disneyland or yeah, something. It like is. That. It's you're right. And it's, it's like just as expensive. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's like going to um yeah, Groman's Chinese or any other landmarks in the city. Like Rodeo Drive is one of these landmark yeah. streets. And I, you know what? I'll get you a necklace for from Tiffany just for saying that. Just for bringing it up. So those are a few malls. Maybe you know what? Maybe you'll be spending some shopping time this month in these places. Yeah. Maybe Rodeo Drive. Yeah. I could use a new sock that costs four thousand dollars <laughs> from Gucci. Yeah, I can use a plain white T-shirt that you uh, I heard about in Shoshession uh, that costs like you know five hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? Yeah, yeah, mall. I mean, obviously, LA has a big mall culture. There's a yeah. lot more like the Delamo Mall mm-hmm. uh, that just like there's not really much story at a lot of these places. Yeah. Like they're interesting and cool places, but there's not much to say. And as we're them. as I had you brought up to me earlier, or I guess Melissa brought up to you, and then you brought it up to me that like Bullock's <laughs> Wilshire is the department store. Barker's Brothers was also just like it's a beautiful building with like a department they're store. The, those are the dogs of the Parker Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I almost want to do maybe next year a department yeah. store episode. Yeah, and yeah. Bullocks and hamburger. A hamburger. Yeah, the yeah, hamburger, hamburger department I store. I thought you wanted me to go get a hamburger. I mean, for if you. you're busy, if you're not busy, a um, hot dog too. Yeah. So we have a listener question. Yeah. Before we get into that, we'll ask you to do one thing this month. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, it's or been a Apple while. Podcast. It's been a while. Why not? It's it's been a while. Well, why not? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show more for the 10th year. Yeah. Leave 10 reviews for the 10th year. For the 10th year. We've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. And all we want is your money and a review. All we want to do is stop doing it. <laughs> all we want to do is retire from the pension you oh guys are going to fund. God, that would be beautiful. We're going to pool our money and buy the Glendale Galleria so that we can have a pension. <laughs> it runs itself. <laughs> it, it, it's foolproof. It's literally so simple. So yeah, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So now let's get to our listener question. Yeah. This is from our old pal, our new pal, really, Fred Sprinkle. Oh, hey, Fred. So he asks, which we may have answered before, but it's been a while. How many hours does it take to research, write, record, edit, etc. one episode on average of Ellie Meekly? I can only speak to the researching and recording. Yeah, how much... How much time did you spend researching? Because I need to log it for the oh, yeah, for payroll. To, for the payroll. <laughs> if I'm interested, I will spend way too much time oh, researching. Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> I will read an entire book and then spit up the book. And you're like, none of this is important. <laughs> uh, what color the street lamp was. If I'm not interesting, I'll, I'll probably put maybe two hours every couple of days when I remember to research. And then you tell me the date's coming up. Yeah. And then I, I go into a blitz of... <laughs> Pushing everything in my life aside to do you this are, stupid You are thing. a last minute guy. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, by that, I mean really unprofessional. Yeah, absolutely unprofessional. And I wish that there was no last minute. I wish there was no minute. 
the apocalypse clock is has run out. But when I really get into the swing of things, I will be like going through new- newspaper databases and right, checking yeah, out yeah. every single book, which is dangerous. When I yeah. mean, because we have only a few weeks to do these, yeah, and getting that deep into stuff. Like I, I've said before, like I really try to avoid avoid books if yeah. I can because yeah. once a book gets involved, that's hours and hours. But for me. Depending on the topic, I I want to estimate like six to eight hours mm-hmm. for research. Yeah, because these days we do we do get pretty we get deep, man. So that's just research six to eight hours. I would say writing takes like three hours to type it all up. Mm-hmm. So we record right now. This recording's a little over two hours, and that's kind of normal. And the yeah. editing general rule of thumb is like three or four hours per hour. So this might take like six to eight hours to edit down. But like I was saying with the intros before, yeah. I would love to keep doing them, but that took so much time. It took four hours to write, to compile it, and then another hour of, and, and uh, then recording, recording it. it, and then the editing because those got really intensive with sound effects yes, and like did. we were the the I think maybe no no it wasn't the one that with the candy god, but we did one where we were speaking backwards, backwards yeah, and we had to figure out how to pronounce. We had to basically learn how to pronounce. English backwards. So that yeah, you had like a, an app that you, you <laughs> yeah, would it was, hear it, then we would have to say it. It was called uh, Nata's <laughs> Nata's app. Nata's app, and Deal we had with a, the Leavehead app. <laughs> that's double backwards. I got Satan. it. So that's about it, how much you can com- you can uh, tally up. Uh, yeah, and that's what uh, that that's part of the reason why we would. Uh, I mean, like to make this a full time job. So we would uh, love to make can, this a full time job. Just spend my entire day doing it because it's almost a full time job at this point. It's a, a punishing amount of work, and I do the least amount of it, <laughs> and it's punishing to me. Yeah. Luckily, I like punishment. So, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's our November mall episode. Enjoy your time. Phantom is becoming active and violent, so we got to wrap this up. So enjoy your time shopping for us at yeah. the malls this November, specifically Rodeo. Yeah, Rodeo. If they have a Tashin at Rodeo, that big <laughs> noir book would be great. And uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving. We, enjoy your November. We plan to have a bonus thing that is maybe food related coming in a few weeks. So yeah, enjoy November. The weather's going down. Yeah. The turkeys are going up <laughs> in temperature. And uh, that's been yet another episode of LA Meekly. Thurston for Chernabog for 10 years now. For since 10 tw- years. Since 2013. 10 years, Chernabog won't return my calls. And he's so ripped. <laughs> so ripped. And I call him every night at midnight. That's the Every Halloween at that's midnight. That's the pinup I want. <laughs> right next to my Rob Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Lowe, Farrah Fawcett, Chernabog. Current Rob Lowe. Yeah. Not even yeah. 80s soda pop. I'll take Chernabog from 4 billion years <laughs> ago. But I'd accept today, too. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.